You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's not it. One more. Get rest! No! They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loudmouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. What? is up ladies and gentlemen it is cold 36 degrees here on long island new york new york entertainment you're listening to the sports loudmouth i'm your host daryl marks my co-host speeder speedy Petey. go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com check out all our shows throughout the week including the loudmouth with me and speedy Petey every single wednesdays and thursdays at 7 p.m all you have to do to check out all the different shows on our network and our local listings is go to www.worldwidesportsradio.com and ladies and gentlemen as always if you want to call the show as if you want to be a pain in the ass like aka jeff or anybody that calls the show throughout uh the three hours that we are on live all you have to do is call us at 631-672-3108. Again, ladies and gentlemen, I am sick. I have a post-nasal drip. But this is what happens when it's cold. It's terrible out. But guess what? I love the cold, as Speedy knows. I will go out with my shorts, my underwear, my T-shirt, my wife beater. I'd go out with flip-flops if I had to. As a matter of fact, just before we get into the show, I'll tell you guys a quick story. Yesterday... Uh, my girl was here and uh, she was going to work and she wanted me to carry out all her bags. So I, I was in my underwear. I had a wife beater on and she said, you're going out like that. I said, yeah. She says it's 38 degrees. I said, I'm only going 50 feet to your car. So I grabbed her bags there. The neighbors, one of the neighbors were mowing their lawn and I'm walking out with my boxer briefs, my T-shirt and my flip flops. And they were just staring me down like they'd never seen anybody or never seen a man in their underwear. So uh, I don't care. I don't care what people think about me and what I do uh, in my spare time. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, I would go outside to my mailbox in the morning in my boxer shorts. Anyway, Speedy, how are you? Doing all right. I'd like to uh, send condolences as well to the uh, families of everyone that was affected in Newtown. This is the 11-year mm-hmm. anniversary of that uh, shooting in 2012. About 20 minutes from where I grew up, uh, all the kids, 26, Horrible. Yeah, 26 total victims, a lot of young kids. So I want to send a shout-out to all the families of that and all the uh, school shootings that have happened since then. It's just disgusting that it's still going on today. There was a, one in UNLV a couple weeks ago. One too. in Maine. Yeah, one in Maine earlier this year as well and just all over the uh, country. and it's Not just... even early this year. It happened like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and just all of them are just so sickening. So all the all the victims, uh, all the families of the victims out there, um, I send love and condolences and everything with that, especially uh, with Newtown that was right near me. 20 minutes ago, 20 minutes from me, I was in high school at the time. It was so shocking, so devastating, and I wish those families all the best. Absolutely. It's it's horrible. And, and what is going on in the world is horrible. You, you see what's going on in Israel, you see what's going on in different parts of the United States, and, and we should all come together, not only as the United States, but the world, and understand that we're together, and we should be together on everything that is 
away from politics because politics ruin everything. Religion ruins everything. Everybody should, everything should be brought together. And that's why we, we host a sports radio show. We entertain people, try to take you away from what's going on in the world today and, and just get into something that, uh, Everybody, women, men, kids, love to talk about. But we have a great show lined up for you guys. A little bit later in the show at 8.30, we'll be talking to former Jet and Bengals defensive back Schaefer Suggs. He will be joining us for the first time on our show. Very excited to uh, have him on the show. 9 o'clock, we will be talking to Virginia Tech redshirt junior offensive lineman Jesse Hansen. This will be a first time on our show as well. Draymond Green has been indefinitely suspended by the NBA. Finally! The NBA has done something right. What does indefinitely mean? Does that mean the whole season? I mean, we we saw Ron Artest get suspended for, I think, 60-some-odd games in the first year and practically missed the whole second year as well. So maybe the NBA will throw him a curveball and say, you know what, you're, you're out for the next year and a half. Enjoy. Uh, he definitely needs to go and sit and talk to somebody. Yeah. He needs a psychiatrist. I mean, that guy cannot keep his hands off of anybody. I, I'm very surprised we haven't heard anything uh, with other things, domestic violence or something like that. This guy has done so many disgusting, rotten things on the basketball court. But, hey, listen, I'm not throwing – uh, a guy like Draymond Green under the bus. I, I, I have a lot of respect of his game. I, I've always respected his game. I, I loved Draymond Green when he came into the league. If you know the story, he was a second-round draft pick. Uh, he came from Michigan State, and he came into the NBA and really uh, showed why he he should have been drafted in the first round. A talented rebounder, one of the best defensive players in the first, I, I would say, seven years of his career. He won Defensive Player of the Year a couple of times. The guy has a tremendous amount of talent. Could be a future Hall of Famer, but these things on the court are just absolutely, even off the court, some of the stupid things he's done. So the NBA definitely needed to do something. They finally, hopefully, figured something out, and, and maybe... Well, uh, you know, drop the hammer on him moving forward. Reports say that the Knicks are likely to trade Emmanuel Quigley. We've been saying this over and over again. The Knicks are not re-signing Emmanuel Quigley. If they were going to re-sign him, they would have signed him before the season started. He is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the season, which means he can go anywhere he wants. The Knicks are not going to be able to re-sign him because he already said that if he's not signed before the season starts, he's going to go to free agency. So he's heading to free agency. The Knicks need to get something for Emmanuel Quigley. I do believe Emmanuel Quigley is going to be a star point guard in this league somewhere in the NBA. So uh, he's a talented player. He could shoot the three. He could do everything. He was a great find by the New York Knicks. And I remember when he was drafted, when everybody was taking shots at Leon Rose, saying, why would you trade back into the first round to get this kid? And he's turned out to be probably one of the top three guys of that draft. So I, I love Emmanuel Quigley, but he will not be a Nick moving forward. Uh, reports say that Shea Otani can opt out of his contract if – Certain team executives are no longer with the Dodgers. What does this say and what does this mean? I don't think it means anything, but hey, uh, everybody wants to hear or everybody wants to know uh, or find a curveball in this signing, and there it is. So we will get into that. Cam Newton says that several quarterbacks, including Dak Tua, are just a game-managing quarterbacks and not difference makers. I am going to kill kill Cam Newton on what he just said. I will burn a hole and let him understand because as far as I'm concerned, Cam Newton was a he wasn't a game changer, okay? I know he won an MVP, but what did Cam Newton do in the league in the 10 or 11 years he was a starting quarterback in the NFL? 
I, I have a lot to say about it. Um, as everybody knows, we will get into Let's Parlay. At 8.15, we'll have Wes and possibly Derek. Hopefully, we'll have Derek. No, Derek, but possibly Reno Johnny. I'll wait to hear All right. from now. So, hopefully, Reno Johnny will be joining us uh, for the first time in a while. He's coaching. Yeah, he, he said he was on his break from coaching last week. So, he said he could possibly join this week. But right. I haven't heard from him yet. But definitely, Wes will be on. And then we're going to do Week 15 NFL Picks as we do. Every single week. By the way, who's in the lead? Still me right now. I gained uh, two games on you last week, so Figures. I'm up by five. You're up in the weekend crunch one. I'm up in this one. You know what it is? Is I'm trying to figure out the path to the win. I, I, I think I'm falling off right now, so we'll figure it out. Anyways, let's get into it. There, The whole Otani thing seems to be the story. We got into it early yesterday. That was the first monologue I wanted to get into, and tonight... It's definitely the first one I want to get into because I think that this story is interesting. And and to me, when you're thinking about that signing the 10-year, $700 million contract that he signed with the Dodgers and then deferring half, practically all the money, and he's keeping $2 million a year because of maybe endorsements and stuff like that, I, I, I was very interested to see if there was something in the contract that really stood out. Well, boy, oh boy, this one does. Ken Rosenthal. Reports that Shea Otani can opt out of his big contract with the Dodgers if majority owner Mark Walter or president of baseball operations Andrew Friedman lose their roles with the team. He also added, if there are other changes within the Dodgers organization, there is a clause where he could opt out. Reports say Otani was skeptical of how his Angels career played out. When there were many executives and manager manager changes in six years that he was there. Friedman has been with the Dodgers since 2015, and the Dodgers have never missed the playoffs in that span. The longest active streak in, in the MLB. The Dodgers have reportedly also been interested in signing Josh Hader, Blake Snell, and also Tyler Glass now. Otani signed a record-setting $700 million contract, but will only get $2 million per year over the official length of the 10-year deal. All right. We spoke about this yesterday. And, and, and there's a lot to get into. And we pretty much we, we got into the main source of what I thought about the deferred money and the fact of what the Dodgers are trying to do. Trying, trying to repath this team to be uh, an elite dynasty team for the next 10 years. This story, and, and, and even Jeff, when he called the show yesterday, and he, he, he said that there could be certain things added to the contract, the, the jersey sales, everything. There was going to be things added to the contract that either we didn't know about or maybe didn't make sense or won't make sense. This one is, is a curveball, okay? And I'm, I'm going to tell you guys why it's a curveball. First of all, why would the majority owner, Mark Walter, lose his position and his role on his team? Now, there are a couple owners. Magic Johnson actually owns a piece of the yep. team. But what is it with Mark Walter and what kind of relationship does he have with Mark Walter that made him decide to come to the Dodgers? I don't know. I, maybe they're buddies. Maybe they hung out uh, when he played for the Angels. Maybe Mark Walter was the one that actually sat down and negotiated with him. And we all know who Andrew Friedman is. He's one of the best and probably most brightest 
presidents in baseball right now. And, and Andrew Friedman is a whiz kid. Everybody has said so many things about this kid and, and what he's turning into. Ever since he's taken this job at the president of ba- baseball operations, the farm system is one of the best farm systems in baseball. And this guy has really built this team from the bottom to the top. If you remember, I would say I, about nine years ago, ten years ago, this team was not a playoff contending team. This was a very bad team. And it was very badly run. The ownership, uh, they, they obviously, they decided to, uh, well, baseball decided to push out the Dodgers owner. And that's why this team of owners decided to take on this this team. And, and by the way, it was a great investment. Because if you look at the Dodgers right now, this is one of the more talented teams in professional sports. But not only that, when you look at Otani and who Otani is, the player that he is, you understand that he is a difference maker. He is a pitcher slash power hitter. He has changed everything when it comes to baseball. Now everybody's trying to mimic what the Angels did, finding the guy that was the next Babe Ruth. Now, I do not believe Shea Otani is Babe Ruth. I do believe that Shea Otani's numbers in his first five years are right there identically with Babe Ruth. But again, we have to see him do it for the next 10 years. Babe Ruth did it for... I think it was like 17, 18 years in the major leagues. I want to see Otani do it that long. But when you when you see the different clauses, and I I don't know, I've never seen the contract, and I'm looking forward to seeing the contract, maybe if it actually comes out one way or another. What was added to the contract, like Jeff said? But when you hear something like this, if one of these guys, if Andrew Freeman decides to flee and decides to take another job, Decides to go to Houston. Decides to go to the Cardinals. Decides to go to the Yankees or Miami. Wherever he decides that he is more intrigued to taking over in baseball operations and maybe become a team owner, a partial team owner for another organization because the team offers him the president job and partial team ownership. If that happens, that could change everything for Shea Otani. That could change everything on this contract, this 10-year, $700 million contract, which, by the way, I want to know what it says in the contract if he decides to opt out of this. Now, I don't think he's going to opt out to, uh, opt, opt out to a 10-year, $700 million contract. I can't see it because that's a lot of money. That's, that's a half a billion dollars, a little bit more than a half a billion dollars. So I can't see Shea Otani walking away from $700 million guaranteed. But, again... Shea Otani is still fairly young. He's 29, going to be 30 this year. And he has the capability to still be an elite power hitter for the next couple of years. So I I sit here today. I don't know what the contract is stating. And we all do know, and Ken Rosenthal has commentated on this, that Shea Otani could opt out of this big contract if one of these guys decide to part ways with the team and the organization. Yeah, you wonder, too, like the sale of of potentially the Dodgers in the future, too. It's definitely going to go up if, for some reason, like you were saying, Mark Walter does decide to sell a stake in the team or whatever. It's possible that it happens down the road because, remember, Otani's contract is 10 years, and he's going to get paid a lot more after that. So maybe that's what they're judging on if Otani doesn't trust the next set of the ownership. But still, it's kind of weird that you look at – Otani trying to get that money at the back end of it, and then all of a sudden he, he has an opt-out? Like, he's going to get that money back later? It, it's another question. Now, we have heard reports, too, that the Blue Jays and Giants were very close in terms of matching 
that same kind of offer. So I do think other teams are interested in giving him $700 million. It's just a matter of are they interested in deviating it to all the way back in the contract, too. So that's what makes this kind of fishy in a sense. I mean, it's a very elaborate contract. Like you said, I don't think there's everything else is revealed yet in the contract either. I think there could be even more clauses we find out about it. It's such a unique contract. Like Snug was saying in the comment section, like this is probably the most like elaborate one for a star player that has ever been done. Like we've seen opt outs. We've seen no trade clauses, stuff like that. Nothing like this elaborate it has to do with an ownership at a Andrew Freeman, who I don't think is going to go anywhere else unless he gets a ridiculous amount of money. Cause he's already the president money of baseball talks. operations. Yeah. That's the only thing. Like it would have to take like a team overpaying him in order to do that. But the Dodgers have all the money in the world too they could also just keep him there too and if especially if the majority owner knows that Andrew Friedman's a big part of why Otani's there I think he'll do everything to do to keep him obviously it was Mark Walter and obviously Andrew Friedman that mm-hmm. was the reason why he decided to go to the Dodgers it was nobody else it wasn't the team it wasn't the capability of the money that they could spend uh, throughout these next couple of off seasons to turn this into a World Series champion he wants to win championships that's what Otani wants to do and he knows he's going to get that 700 million dollars no matter what he's going to get the endorsements. If he went to the Yankees, he went to the Dodgers, he went to the Mets, wherever he decided to go, the Red Sox, he was going to get the endorsements. He was going to make his money. He could have went to Toronto, where, the, to me, I, I don't know if anybody's been to Toronto or Canada. It's it's very Asian-populated. It's, it's a tremendous Asian-populated place. So he would have been a huge superstar over there in Toronto, even probably bigger than he would be in L.A. So, it, it, to me... When you look at the league and you look at the transition with these new contracts, and and again, I believe the Dodgers have changed everything when it comes to baseball, especially deferring money. I know everybody has said that any team could have done this, but the way the Dodgers planned this and they did this, it's going to change everything in baseball. If you don't think Juan Soto could could decide to stay with the Yankees and decide, hey, you know what, I'm going to give you an option where you can defer $600 million of the money that you're going to give me because I want to be a championship competitive team now in the American League East, well, then maybe the Yankees are going to perform and, and push this uh, to the, this organiza- the Yankees organization to move forward and try to build a championship competitive team, which they haven't won since 2009. The Braves are going to do that, too, with Acuna. When they have to oh, absolutely. Because we, we were talking about it like they have a top 10 payroll, but they don't love to give out these super massive contracts. Now that they have a deviation plan in mind, oh, yeah, they're going to do it now for Acuna, who's going to get $500 million too. There was a lot of stories today that I read that, Juan Soto, the, the reason why Juan Soto did not want to sign with or has no interest in signing with anybody right now and is going to wait to the end of the season is I don't think he has any interest in signing back with the New York Yankees. As a matter of fact, there were stories coming out. He w- There was a, a bunch of uh, – I, I don't – I'm not going to mention the show, but there was a, a two shows uh, podcast that – uh, somebody very close to Juan Soto was on and said that he wants to play for the New York Mets. He wants to play in Queens. So I don't know if this is true. I don't know if the stories are true, but we'll see. Uh, obviously, there's a full season. He's going to be a Yankee this year. We'll see how the Yankees perform, if they perform very well, if the Yankees are in the World Series, or if the Yankees win a World Series. That could persuade Juan Soto to stay in New York, not with the Mets, 
not going to the Mets, but staying with the Yankees. And again, there's going to be another team that's going to do that kind of thing too for deviating Soto's contract. You need a player that is one that good and like that that trusting of you could do, you could build him for years, which Soto is that type of player. Like I said, Acuna is that type of player, and also a p- player that's popular enough where they could deviate that kind of money and he could still trust himself to get the endorsements. Especially like you're saying, if he does go back to the Yankees and he's in New York, you're going to get a lot over there. They're obviously a big baseball city as it is and the biggest city in the country. So. You know what's so funny? When I, I read what obviously Jeff posts on social media and, and what he's doing right now, calling everybody squirrel brains or calling me squirrel brains. Here's why he doesn't understand what I'm trying to say. It's been around for years, the deferred opportunities for money, as we've seen Chris Davis, as we've seen other players sure, do it, but we've never seen it at this high of money, this this total of money with $700 million and the length of the years, the 10 years, and pushing it off for almost 10 years before right. they have to pay him that kind of money. We have not seen this before. And don't bring, bring up Bobby Bonilla <laughs> because this had nothing. By the way, Bobby Bonilla's contract and agreement with the Mets has nothing to do with this. As a matter of fact, it's completely different. And same thing with Chris Davis. So I know everybody's saying, oh, it's been around for a long time and, and anybody could have done it. But nobody would have done it the way we've seen it so far in the last couple of last month when it comes to negotiating a deal like this. Now, I, I sit here and I we go back to this whole Ken Rosenthal report. I, I, I don't I understand the Dodgers are a team and an organization that's trying to win. And they have only won one World Series in the last ten years. Okay. This is a team that's had tremendous amount of talent. I mean, they added Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts got a three hundred million dollar contract. They tra- the Dodgers traded away a lot of prospects. One of them that actually plays for the Yankees now in Verdugo, and he was the number one prospect in baseball at the time that they traded him uh, to the Red Sox. And and also uh, you look at the 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 length of this contract. This is all this this is a ten year contract. This is nothing to scratch on. This is a long term contract, and Otani is giving. The rest of his career, the rest of his ability, his top-end pitching ability to the Dodgers. So if he has an opt-out clause, obviously there's a reason behind it. And again, you also look at the potential for players to come in, too. We were talking about Yamamoto off there before the show, that the Dodgers are now well inclined to get him. There was another report that we'll talk about in a bit that he might get a 10-year deal now. And why not? The Dodgers could just deviate more money to do that, too. Why not give him take that chance to give him 10 million or 10 years? And Blake Snell, Josh Hader, other these other big names all have leeway to do that, too. And that's why I don't think it makes sense for this ownership to, like, realize that and, like, sell their stake in the team. That's why I don't think there's any risk for that kind of thing to happen. By the way, we got Snug on the phone. What's up, Snug? Oh my goodness. Happy holidays, gentlemen. Same Hello. to you, Snug. I have to get my shout-outs out early because I get hung up on otherwise. So shout-out <laughs> to Brittany Marie. Shout-out to Jeff, greatest caller ever. Shout-out to Ben in the chat showing interest in soccer betting. I love that. Shout-out to Lyle and his terrible Manchester United, who were abysmal last weekend. Um but it's not hard to figure out why Shohei Otani has these in his contract. Do you remember where he used to play? The Angels. The, Angels. <laughs> the least consistent management in the history of ever, right? But when you sign that contract, you're stuck there, whether the president of the team stays or the GM stays or the manager stays or the hot dog vendor stays. It doesn't matter who, right? So Shohei Otani has a very unique opportunity. He has almost a literal blank check that he could write in whatever he wanted. 
So he clearly believes in the vision of the current Dodgers leadership. And all he's saying is, if you guys go, I don't know what I'm getting next. I want the opportunity to go as well. It's just really simple. It's not hard. Snug. All these long-term deals, every single big baseball long-term deal has a clause in it. Every single one. Garrett, Garrett Cole, he has a clause. After I think It's a spider tech clause, yeah. No, no, that wasn't his clause. After a certain amount of time, he signed a, what, an eight- or nine-year deal with the Yankees. After the fourth or fifth year, he can opt out of his contract. Why did he do that? Because if he wins one or two Cy Youngs or he's one of the best pitchers in the American League, he can get more money. So he knows, just like CeCe Sabathia, CeCe Sabathia signed a long-term deal. He can opt out of the contract. What did he do? He opted out of the contract, and he got more money. Every single long-term deal has some kind of clause into it. Look at John Carlos Stanton. He had a no-trade clause, and he could when he signed that contract with Miami, the three, the long, the biggest contract in Major League history, the three hundred and twenty-five million dollar contract at the time. In the contract, it said that he has a no-trade clause, and he can decide if he if they want to trade him where he wants to go. And that's why he only wanted to go to the Dodgers or the Yankees, and that's why the Yankees were the only team interested in him, and that's why he was traded by Derek Jeter to the Yankees. There are a ton of clauses in these long-term deals. So, Snug, you're not wrong that they're going... Uh, th- what Shea Otani was trying to do, uh, he was trying to protect himself, but again, this goes on with all these long-term baseball career... Well, uh, everybody... Uh, long birth baseball deals. contract is technically a collection of clauses, right? Like, there's a morality clause, you can't beat people with bats in the streets, or you're no longer welcome to play, things like that. But what I'm saying is, this contract isn't all that shocking. We've seen a build-up to these sort of things. So, you say that Bobby Bonilla doesn't matter, but Bobby it Bonilla does matter. It doesn't. Because that's where it started. That was the there's an evolution to it. It doesn't happen overnight. That was done though so because the, the 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 Bobby Bonilla contract got bad because of the way he played with the Mets, though. And same time they with Chris Davis. Like Chris Davis's contract got was untradeable because he played so bad after those two peak years with the Orioles that it was just untradeable. This is a bit a completely different strategic standpoint. So what about Ken Griffey Jr., who's getting three and a half million dollars a year still from the Reds? Yeah, same Is that because he was a bum? No, he was. And he played He played fine there. He, just got he, was, he, he was a bum when he went to the Reds. First of all, there was, you know, three-year, five-year contracts. And then they started seeing seven, eight-year contracts. And we're like, oh, my God, seven, eight-year contracts. And now we're seeing 10, 12-year contracts, right? So Shohei Otani is like all of these things coming together at one time. Well, yeah, he's so getting paid like two, two players, yeah. Yes, because he plays like two players. Right. We've never, we we haven't seen this since Babe Ruth on a consistent. Hold on, hold on. He plays three. like two players, and you're right, Snug. But guess what? He just had a new another UCL tear, which tells me he might not be the same pitcher when he gets back and he he get back gets back to the mound. So he's not two players anymore. He could be one player. He could be a power hitter. Yeah, see, where they might have to move him to the outfield or the first base. An infinite number of outcomes to your argument. You're choosing to look at the negative. You could also argue that when they tighten these guys' arms up and they put ligaments in, they throw harder. Maybe he pitches better. It's an equal opportunity that both could happen. So you're making a slippery slope, a slippery slope assumption that this is going to be the natural progression. And you mentioned you don't know that's true. Yeah, well, I so do. I, I do. I do know it's true because you you mentioned Ken Griffey no, you Jr. Believe it. You can't know it's true. You can believe. Did it. you mention opinion, Ken Griffey right? Jr. Right? You mentioned him, right? I believe, yeah, I believe King Griffey Jr. was a baseball player. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was. He's one of the greatest power hitters of all time. Yeah, but guess what? When he signed with the Reds, was he any good with the Reds? Was he good? He was all right. He had a couple of good years. He had I'm one good year. He, was... he had one good year. His first year, Snug. That was it. He had one good okay. year. Had forty home runs. After that, twenty-two, eight, thirteen, twenty. 
35, 27, 30, 18, 19. No, it's not Ken Griffey Jr. numbers. Let's go to Ken Griffey Jr. numbers at a Seattle Mariner. I don't know, 45, 40, 49, 56. Are you kidding me? There, He wasn't the same player when he went to Cincinnati. So, yes, okay. he had a clause in that big contract. And, yes, there were def- there's still deferred money that he's, uh, he's owed. And, and there's no question this has been going on in baseball for a while. But – it's never been this high. It's never been this way. We have never seen it this way before. Did and now it's going to transition. Inflation for the last two or three years, like, where have you been? Well, it's also. Right? Uh, every, everything's changed. The entire world's changed. How much is it for a value meal at McDonald's now? Okay, yes, yeah, so there's going to be gonna, inflation you're, and, and you're all these contracts are going to anticipate for that. Eternally. You've never seen a player like this in our lifetime, at least. Not, Not even close. No, no. Hold, hold on. Oh, hold on one second. Can do uh, hold on. Anything. Hold on. So you're telling me we've never seen a player do what Shea Otani did. Why? Because he can pitch and he can hit? Is a that it? A single player with the entire skill set that he has, you have not. Here, here's numbers for you because I, I, Aaron Judge is underpaid what the well, Yankees paid him. Hold on. Numbers do number. They, they do. They do. They matter when they're helpful? They do matter. By the way, oh, they do. Okay. Yeah, they, they do. Tonight. They right. do. Okay, Jeff, so let's let's look at let's look at Aaron Judge, who just got a three hundred and what was it three hundred and seventy or sixty million dollar contract from the Yankees, a nine year yes. deal. Okay, yeah. Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge's WAR is thirty three point eight to Shea Otani's thirty four point seven. Uh, okay. Games six hundred and fifty three for Aaron Judge, seven hundred and one by Shea Otani. 2,846 PA to two thousand eight hundred and seventy one. Uh, hits 677 mm-hmm. for Aaron Judge to 681 of Shea Otani. Home runs, Aaron Judge 201, Shea Otani 171. RBIs, 448 for Aaron Judge to uh, Shea Otani's 437. Stolen bases, Aaron Judge 34 to Shea Otani's 86. Uh, batting average, 285. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, hold sorry. on, I'm I going. Missed... What was his ERA? I didn't hear that. What was Judge's ERA? What does that have anything? Aaron Judge plays every day. He plays in the in so the outfield every day, and he plays multiple positions. He's a five-tool player. No, he doesn't. Shea Otani's a DH. He, he is a DH. He is a DH. I know. I know. He struck out a number of times, but how many? Hold on. Hold on. I'm not done. I'm not done. A batting average, 285 for Judge to 274 for Shea Otani. Uh, um, OBP, uh, 394 to 366 of Shea Otani. Uh, slugging, uh, 586 for Aaron Judge to 5, 556 Shea Otani. OPS, 980 for Aaron Judge, 922 for Shea Otani. OPS plus, 166 for Aaron Judge, 148 to Shea Otani. You ask me right now, who's a better hitter right now in baseball? What's Shea O'Donnell or Aaron Judge? I don't remember Judge's what, whip last year. What, what, what does it have anything zero, to do with right? whip? He's an outfielder. He plays multiple positions. So, he played center fielder. No he was compared, center field at some like, points this past year and the year before as good as anybody in baseball. How many players played multiple positions in the outfield and did it as well as him? How many? How did Judge get in this? We were talking because about Because I'm telling you, Shea Otani was, over, was overpaid because he's a pitcher. And by the way, after overpaying him, he has another UCL tear. And we're not going to see him on the mound for at least a year. And we don't know if he's going to be the same player. So you just overpaid a 10-year, $700 million player who might not be the same pitcher again. So your opinion is they overpaid. No, it's not. It's not an opinion. How many... Listen, Snug. How many wouldn't give Snug, it to him Snug, Snug. How many pitchers coming back from two UCL tears were successful after coming back? 
How many? I, I have no idea. One. One. Okay. Okay. So there is one. So one. You're saying there's a one. chance. One. And, and by <laughs> I'm saying it's a chance. <laughs> saying it's a chance. And you're saying that, like, the, so I'm you're paying, one, one player was you're paying a, a guy, talent. you're paying a guy 10 years, $700 million on a whim? What are you, nuts? Do you really think it's on a whim? Oh, a hundred percent on a whim. The money they're going to make off merchandising. I, I said that yesterday. I said that. Showing, there's the, the Dodgers took a gigantic risk on this, and I applaud them for it because I think they are going to get paid back in spades. They they they're going to paint the entire island of Japan Dodger blue at some point, right? Everybody, uh, there's huge Asian populations all up and down the California coast. There's a big one in Sacramento. There's a big one in. San Francisco, they're going to steal fans from San Francisco. There's a, a gigantic one in L.A. So there, all this is is the natural culmination of the growth of salaries, the length of contracts, the specificity of clauses. Ooh. He just wants to protect himself, and he has the chance to do it at almost every angle. So he did it, and the Dodgers said, okay, we're, we'll get on board. How many so years How many years, How many years? has Shea Otani pitched in baseball in the MLB? In the MLB right now. How many years? I'm going to say like four or five. Four like years out of the five years he's been in the league. Now he, th- he's okay. going to miss a year because okay. – and you're, you're going to pay a guy $700 million, 10 years, $700 million because of what he did for four out of the five years. And he has 10 for years kind of left on under, under a contract reach, that's worth $700 million? No, Because it's crazy. You're because, branching out to new because, markets. But you don't know if he's going to be able to pitch like that again. So you're but taking you it. You're not. taking a chance. Yes, you do. Equal, no, yes, you, you do. He's not. Are you a snug, doctor? Snug, snug. Are you a GM? One pitcher in all the years with Tommy Johns, one pitcher has been successful coming back from two UCL tears. One out of how many? Hundreds? And you think there's a chance? Hundreds? Hundreds. How many people have torn? Hundreds have had two tears. I'm talking about tears, UCL tears. Just UCL tears. Some of them don't even come back, and they're never any good. There's a guy named Nasty Nate that blanked the the Yankees in the playoffs a couple years ago. Who? A guy named Nasty Nate came back. and and, and Where is he now? Where is he now? So, didn't he just win another World Series? Yes, he did. Yeah. Did he do anything? Yeah, so did he? Did he? Did he do uh, anything? Yeah, yeah. Listen, there's a lot of people that win a lot of World Series sitting on the bench. Okay, so it, it doesn't know, matter. If you really want to, if you really want to really? mock somebody for that, you just mock, do it for Max Scherzer. When you do nothing in the group project and get an A. Max Scherzer's the <laughs> man, bro. I love me some Max. Max, he got paid. Max, he got a ring. Yeah, he, he got, got a ring do for doing nothing. <laughs> he got a ring for pitching five games there and then getting hurt. Much, hey, much props to Max. Max had a hell of a year, man. That dude's doing better than most. Sog, let, let's shout out the, two, the, the, the New York Met, ex-New York Met that actually did something in the World Series. Travis Jankowski. <laughs> hey, more Mets got World Series rings this year than Yankees, so. What are you taking shots at the Yankees? Who cares? Snug. Well, you're is the that... one who's bringing Aaron Judge into a conversation. Yes, that really yes, to do because with him. Aaron Judge is underpaid. You just to Aaron, say Judge, Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge doesn't have a torn line. UCL. Okay, Aaron Judge is going to play every What's day with his toe? at He's least got a broken toe that's going to take six years to All right, heal or something. Stupid. All right, it's very nice to. Did talk they not you. say that? It's it was very, that not what was very reported. nice speaking take... to you. It's very nice. It's always a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you. Shout out to Nelson. Shout out to Maryland. You guys are the best. Mm. Very nice. Snug is an interesting character. And 
And, and what pitcher did he mention? What, 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 who tore his UCL and won another World Series? Nathan Avaldi. <laughs> Nathan Avaldi. Okay. And, and by the way, Nathan Avaldi had how many UCL tears? Two. Two. He's the only one. Only one in baseball history that's torn his UCL twice and has been successful coming back. He's the only one. He's the only one. He mentioned the only one. Okay? So, again, I, I, I'm going to speak from, from the heart here. You're going to take this on a whim. And you're going to trust that this guy, who, by the way, is going to be at the plate every single day for the next 162 games for the Dodgers and comes back the year after and become and, and still is the dominant pitcher he once was with the Angels, it's not likely, okay? It's not. He could be okay. He could be good. But is he worth? If he pitches, if his ERA is 372 and he gets 160 strikeouts in a season and he's, I don't know, 12-8, and eight, is that worth $700 million for the next 10 years? He's a great power hitter. That's fine. He's a multiple. He he could do multiple things as a as a pitcher and as a as a base stealer and as a power hitter. Great. Good for him. He's never going to be the same pitcher. I'm telling you right now. He will never be the same pitcher. And I that you can book that. I do not believe he's going to be the same pitcher. Just like I don't believe Jacob DeGrom is going to be the same pitcher he once was coming from his UCL, his second UCL tear. He could be good. Jacob DeGrom only has to think about pitching. That's all he has to think about. Shea Otani has to think about hitting. He has to make sure that he can still do the things that he could do at the plate because if he can't do the things at the mound like he's been doing over the last four or five years, it's going to affect his worth as a pitcher, as a player, and as a multi-millionaire. And again, that's why the Dodgers are going to have to use that money wisely, too, to be able to build up depth to help him out so they don't have to wear him out for the long term either because somebody that's had multiple injuries like this, too, you don't want to have him uh, worn out pitching a lot of innings, too, especially since they're going to make the playoffs pretty much every year. You want him to be fresh for the playoffs. You don't want to get arm fatigue like you saw Max Scherzer do. And so that's why the Dodgers' bullpen, which was pretty good last year, but it has been the weakness of their team in years past has to really get bolstered well. And now they have all that money to do that because Otani deferred it. You know what's so funny? And Jeff says, uh, you know, he, he loves to blow Snug, you know, up, his head up. And, and Snug likes to blow, you know, Jeff's head up. And that's great. They're butt buddies. Good for them. Congratulations to them. They're Red Sox fans. They, they want to attack everything everybody says. You know, it's so funny when you, you sit back and you understand what the contract entails. And I give Jeff some credit on some of the things that he says. He will never give anybody credit for anything that is said on this show that is right or even sometimes multi, right, you know, multi on the multi end of being right or wrong. OK, I, I but that's fine. I don't I don't care what Jeff has to say. I just I want Jeff to understand something. You're going to pay somebody seven hundred million dollars. And understand that a two-time UCL tear of a pitcher could cost the Dodgers in the long run. Now, I think it's, it's beneficial. I, I do. Them signing Shea Otani, if he stays there for 10 years and not have to pay him for 10 or 11 years before, you know, before he retires, I think that's great. it's a great move by the Dodgers. But what happens if Shea Otani decides, hey, you know what? 
uh, the president decides to walk away. He goes to Texas. I don't know. Wherever he decides. He goes to the Red Sox. He says, you know what? The Red Sox offered me partial ownership. Shea Otani could opt out of that contract and tell the Dodgers to screw themselves. That's what he could do. He could do it any time. There's no after the fourth year or fifth year. He can do it whenever he feels like it. That means Shea Otani controls if he wants to stay a Dodger or if he wants to go. Okay? And I'm, I'm telling you right now. As beneficial as getting Shea Otani, this is not a good sign when it comes to the contract for the Dodgers. He'll be a San Francisco Giant if he ever gets mad at the Dodgers. I'm just just speaking the truth here. He is in control. He's in the driver's seat with this. So it, 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 it sounds good, but is it really good? Okay, Because he could do it after this year. If they fail or he doesn't like the way this team is being run, he can say, you know what, I don't want to be here. <laughs> he can walk away whenever he wants. He really could. As far as what I'm reading here, he can walk away whenever he wants. He could say, hey, you know what, Friedman doesn't seem like he's staying here. I, he, he's telling me or I've heard in, through the grapevine that he, he doesn't want to be here. <laughs> and he could say, you know what, I'm opting out of the contract. He could say whatever he wants. And the Dodgers have, have no control over that. So I don't know how this benefits the Dodgers. He can leave whenever he wants. Just think about that. He's got all the power. He is in the driver's seat. He's driving the Lamborghini. That's all I'm saying. And he can afford probably 70 Lamborghinis. <laughs> More than that. <laughs> Seven. Seven Lamborghinis, like three hundred thousand dollars. No, I said seventy. I said seventy. More than seventy. He can he can afford more than seventy. That guy can afford like thousands of Lamborghinis if he wants. So to me, I, I just it, I understand why the Dodgers did it. It makes a lot of sense when you put two and two together. It makes full sense. I don't like the defer thing. I, I, I think it's, it's going to affect baseball moving forward. I know it's been around a long time, as you mentioned, Ken Griffey Jr. and whatever. Davis and, and Max Bonilla. Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, whatever. <laughs> it, it, it's still not a good move. That's all I'm saying. I, I think it's going to wind up catching up to them. That's all I'm saying. Yamamoto latest. Multiple reports say that Yamamoto will get a contract nearing 300 million dollars wherever he signs reports say that Yamamoto also could get a deal up to 10 years being that he is 25 years old the Dodgers met with Yamamoto this week after signing Shea Otani to a record-setting contract seven teams are reportedly interested in Yamamoto including the both New York teams the Mets and the Yankees Red Sox Dodgers Giants Cardinals and Phillies Yamamoto was 25 years old and had a 1.16 ERA and 176 strikeouts over 171 innings last season in Japan what i heard over the last 24 hours it's down to two teams this is this is this is what i've read by two writers it's down to the Yankees and it's down to the Dodgers now the Yankees if you remember, years ago, when they had a chance to get Shea Otani, everybody thought Shea Otani was going to New York. He was going to play for the Yankees. And then there was a story coming out that he didn't want to go out east. He wanted to be closer to west because it's closer to Japan where he can go and see his family or his family can come and see him whenever they want. I don't know if Yamamoto is going to have a clause like that, or he, he's going to say, I want to be closer to the West Coast. We did hear that Yamamoto wants to play with another J- Japanese player, but there were stories coming out last week that that's not true. 
It's all about money and years. Money talks. And if you look at Yamamoto and you look at Shea Otani, I could see Yamamoto going to the Dodgers. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Shea Otani has been something, somebody that he looked up to. They played in the baseball classic together. They know each other very, very well. Their families know each other very, very well. So it looks like that would be a match made in heaven. This is why I think the Yankees, for some reason, is going to win the stake for Yamamoto. And not because I'm a Yankee fan. It just makes sense. Brian Cashman, for years, has been interested in Japanese pitchers. He's struck out on quite a few of them. Quite a few of them. He's landed on one or two of them, but he's struck out on quite a few of them. The one pitcher, and if you remember, the Yankees were interested in you, Darvish, too. They struck out on that one. And you Darvish has been a successful pitcher in the major leagues. He's been an all-star. He's been, I think he's been on a World Series team. He's, he's been there before. You look at the Yankees right now. They struck out on Shea Otani. Shea Otani is the best player in baseball, quote-unquote. They struck out on him. And the Yankees have been watching Yamamoto for the last three years. They have been really in-depth on figuring out when this guy is going to become available for the majors. And finally, when he broke through going into this season, where everybody said Yamamoto was going to be up for grabs at the end of the season, the Yankees were licking their lips. The Yankees wanted Yamamoto for years. And I'm not saying other teams weren't interested in Yamamoto, but the Yankees have been there. They've been in Japan for the last three years scouting this kid. I cannot see the Yankees losing Yamamoto to the Dodgers. They both don't like each other. For years, everybody's been wanting to see the Dodgers and the Yankees play in the World Series. It has not happened. If you remember, when the Yankees got eliminated by Houston, the Dodgers were in the NLCS, and the Yankees were in the ALCS, and everybody thought it was inevitable that the Yankees were going to play the Dodgers in the World Series. It didn't happen. And it should have, because the Astros cheated. (laughs) Absolutely. But it didn't happen. And we didn't get a chance to see it. But what the Dodgers are doing, adding the talent that they're adding with, obviously, Shea Otani. There are stories that Blake Snell and Hayter and Glass now could go over there. And they're starting to bring other pitchers and other players up. They're not even bringing Yamamoto's name up in some of the stories now. Why is that? Now, I know the Mets and Steve Cohen have flown over there to Japan quite a few times to meet the family, to watch this kid play. He's a fantastic talent. We all know what he is. We don't know if he could pitch in the majors. We don't know if he could be the dominant force that he's been in Japan. Some of these Japanese pitchers, they come here, they pitch very well for one year, and they completely fall off. And we've seen some pitchers just figure it out. Baseball, the baseballs in Japan are a lot smaller than they are here in the major leagues. And Shea Otani, when he came into the league, he was complaining about the balls. And it took him about, I would say, two years to figure out how he could throw his dominant pitchers and pitches and actually grip, grip the ball the way he gripped it in Japan. You, you sit here right now, I cannot see the Yankees failing on Yamamoto. And if they do, it's going to be another thing that you're going to put on that list for Brian Cashman that he has failed to do. And that's bringing in a pitcher of that kind of talent that everybody says could be a game changer and failed to do that. The Yankees have never been a team to fail on bringing in a player they wanted. For years, if the Yankees wanted him, they got him. George Steinbrenner would never let anybody outbid him. Would never let anybody say, you know what? And if you ask 
anybody, if you remember Godzilla, Matsui, the Yankees, there were a ton of teams interested in, in, in Deki Matsui. The Yankees got to him quick. You know why? Because Jason Giambi played for Team USA against Japan in the world when the World Baseball Classics first started. And what did the Yankees do? They had Jason Giambi befriend a guy like Matsui and, and really talk Matsui into signing with the New York Yankees. Not going anywhere. Not looking at anybody. And, and Matsui was the reason why the Yankees won in 2009, if you remember, against the Philadelphia Phillies. He was the MVP of the World Series. So you, you, you sit here and you wonder where Yamamoto is going to go. I don't know where he's going to go. But if it's, da- if it's true, if these stories are true, that Yamamoto it, it has already selected two teams and these are the two favorites of getting them, the Dodgers and the Yankees, I cannot see the Yankees out, you know, out-dueling or, I mean, I'm sorry, I cannot see the Dodgers outbidding or out-dueling the Yankees to get Yamamoto. This 10-year report also only comes recently after meeting with the Dodgers, too. So it leads, leads you to believe that the Dodgers incentivize that kind of thing to maybe fire up the market for somebody else, too. And obviously, being that they deviated Otani's money, they have leeway to take the risk of going for a 10-year deal if that's what Yamamoto is going to want. Now, we heard seven years and 250 in the past. We heard 10 years, now 300. And uh, Josh was saying last week he thinks he's going to get 300. He was so, right. Yeah. It seems like he's going to be right. He's going to get it. And, and Josh will, you know, love to, you know, pat himself on the back. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you, Josh. Yeah, I'm going to pat yourself. You're, I'm going to pretend I'm you, and I'm patting you on the back. Good for you. You were right. He's going to get $300 million. And it looks Great. that and it looks that way, too, because I think it's going to inflict a bidding war, especially when you look at rival teams, too. Because the Yankees and the Red Sox were two of the favorites for a while. The Dodgers and the Giants were two of the favorites for a while. And then the, the Mets are always going to be in the mix, too. And those teams are going to fight amongst each other, too, with that. I know Steve Cohen and uh, the Yankees have a good relationship, so maybe yes. not as much them. But the Red Sox definitely are still going to fight with the Yankees for that kind of thing because they need pitching badly. And they, have a, they don't have a lot of big contracts where they can have the leeway to give them a 10-year deal if they want to take the I chance. think the Red Sox are competitive. Completely out. Okay. Out of all the teams, I think the Red Sox are completely out on Yamamoto. They're not getting Yamamoto. It could the Mets could sneak in. The Mets could sneak in. If if Steve Cohen decides, hey, you know what, I'm gonna give you four hundred million dollars, come to the Mets, come pitch for the Mets. I could see Steve Cohen doing that. He's spent over one point four billion dollars. He's actually paying players that are not even part of the team anymore. <laughs> I mean, because Steve Cohen doesn't care about money. So I could see Steve Cohen paying a guy like Yamamoto four hundred million dollars. Do I think that's possible? I don't. I think Yamamoto could get close to $300 million. I think the Dodgers will offer him that. I think the Yankees are definitely going to offer him that because of the fact that they don't want to lose him to the Dodgers. But it's it's such an interesting story. And, and again, I believe by next week, because he said, Yamamoto and his agent said that he wants to be signed before Christmas. I believe that next week, Yamamoto will sign with another team. Yeah, I think the Dodgers are also trying to set the market, too, for a lot of these other pitchers as well. Like you like you mentioned, they were interested in Glasnow. They were interested, uh, that was a trade, obviously, but there's other trade market pitchers that are going to be available, too. And we've seen the Dodgers do this a lot. They fix something mechanically in a pitcher that struggled with another team, and they do well there, at least in the short term, not always in the long term, and they let or they let him go at the right time. But th- that's why I think the Dodgers are going to try to go for more in quantity, too, especially when you look at Shohei Otani deferring the money. Now, obviously, Yamamoto Yamamoto and Otani might have a good connection, so maybe it's something that Otani wants to. I don't know, but I think the Dodgers are the one putting it out there on the 10-year deal to at least drive it for other National League contenders like the Giants, the rivals, obviously. The Mets, the the Phillies met with him today, I believe, as well, and they're always going to be a contender, too. They've been close to the World Series or in the World Series twice, so the 
Dodgers are at least going to drive it up for those other teams. I, I think also, when, when you look at what Yamamoto is going to provide for a lot of these teams, he's going to provide a number one starter. He is that good. And, and I know everybody says right now, if he goes to the Yankees, he's the number two guy. He could even be the number three if Carlos Rodon actually pitches very well going into this season. So and he eventually he could be swayed into the number one role. We'll see. They don't want to put a lot of pressure on the kid. I don't think the Dodgers are going to put a lot of pressure on this kid either because they have Clayton Kershaw there. They have great young pitching and, and great veteran pitching over there. So I do believe, and by the way, the Dodgers have a great farm system. Right. So they're going to be good for many, many years to come. So the more additional players that they add, like the Glass Nows or the Blake Snells, that's not going to make a difference. Well, it will make a difference now. It's not going to hurt them in the future because they have a great farm system that they could bring up some of these younger players a little bit slower now and not have to rest on the talent that they have in their farm system. And they have a fantastic analytics department, too, hence why they're able to rebirth all these young pitchers. That's why Freeman's well. there. And that's why I do think they will end up trading for somebody like Glass now or even one of the other pitchers that are available, too. I don't know if they're going to get Snell. I think Snell's a free agent that's going to want a lot, one more big contract. He's going in the Mets. I, I, I could see him going there. I could, also, I could also see that being a move for the Giants, too, because he He's from that uh, northern uh, Pacific Northwest area, too, so maybe Bay Area is close enough because Seattle's not going to bid for that kind of thing. But I do think the Dodgers are going to trade for pitchers in quantity, too, especially, like I was saying, helping out Otani so they don't have to wear him out. This post-nasal drip is terrible. I'm trying to breathe and talk and drink and try to keep my voice as wet as I possibly can. So I'm just letting everybody know I'm sick. And Well, I'm not sick. I'm not contagious, ladies and gentlemen. So don't worry about it. Speedy's not going to get sick. Tommy, you're not going to get sick. But I, I've i been dealing with this post-nasal drip for the last three weeks. It's been horrible. And uh, if you're speaking, I'm not even breathing because I can't breathe through my nose. And I'm talking and breathing through my mouth and trying to keep my voice as wet as I possibly can. So I want to apologize to anybody that's listening to the show and they can hear that I'm congested. Cam Newton says he called quarterbacks such as Jared Goff, Tua, Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, game managers, and shouldn't be in the MVP conversation. Cam also added that these are game managers and not difference makers for their respected teams. All four quarterbacks are part of the teams that currently lead their divisions, and they're all top ten for the MVP and for the betting lines moving forward in Vegas. Cam says he thinks the MVP race should be only down to Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Cam Newton won MVP won the MVP in 2015, a year the Panthers went to the Super Bowl and were the number 1 seed in the NFC at 15 and 1. At the end of week 14, the betting leaders for the MVP is Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, and Lamar Jackson. First of all, okay, and, and I am going to be very, very nice to Cam Newton. Cam was a good quarterback for about five years, okay? This is a guy that deserves all the credit that he has had. I mean, what he needed to do in college, he went from... Uh, not playing, I think it was in Florida, Florida yep. and then he goes to a Division Three team, <laughs> and then he comes back up and he plays for Auburn, wins a national championship. I think he wins a national championship the with Oregon, them. Yep. He becomes the number one pick in the draft, and there she goes. 
he, he, he played for the Carolina Panthers for, I think, 10 years. Successful years, I guess. I mean, they never won a Super Bowl there. He wins an MVP. The one year he wins the MVP, they were 15-1, and one, and they go to the Super Bowl. Cam Newton, okay? For anybody that sits here and believes that Cam Newton wasn't a game manager or a difference maker, he, he was only a difference maker for really two years. He really wasn't. First of all, Cam Newton can never stay healthy. He's a big-bodied quarterback. He was six foot six. He was built like an ox, 250 pounds. He wasn't an accurate quarterback. He was more of a run-first, throw-second quarterback, and he wasn't even fast. He was just powerful. He was very hard to take down. When you watch Josh Allen, he reminds me of Cam Newton. He is the best thing to compare Cam, what, what Cam Newton was then and what he would be now. Josh Allen is a better quarterback than Cam Newton. He is. He's a better quarterback. He can throw better than him. He's more accurate than him. He has a better, a better spiral than him. He, he's just a better all-around quarterback, and he's never won an MVP because there's Patrick Mahomes, there's Lamar Jackson. There's been all these great quarterbacks in the time that he's been a dominant, you know, he's been a dominant quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Now you're going to say, well, Cam Newton played in the time that Tom Brady was there and Peyton Manning. And I'll tell you this, Cam Newton deserved the MVP that year. He was fantastic. He, he did everything for his team. But that, that wasn't the reason why they went to the Super Bowl. If anybody knows what happened, and, and, and if you remember the Super Bowl, it was the Broncos in Carolina, and the Broncos won with Peyton Manning. That was the last hurrah. Peyton Manning retires after that. And Peyton Manning wasn't the reason why the Broncos won the Super Bowl that year either. It was because of Von Miller and that defense. Okay? I could say the same thing for Carolina. Why did Carolina go to the Super Bowl that year? Why was Carolina 15-1? and And I'm not saying Cam Newton had nothing to do with it. They had one of the best running games in football. They had a, a dy- dynamic duel. I, I forget who it was. Williams and who was the other one? Jonathan Stewart. I, th- I don't know if Williams was there. That was it year. Jonathan Stewart? Was, I thought it was jo- Williams. Jo- no, I think Williams was with the Steelers. Then. Was, it was Jonathan, Jonathan Stewart, Stewart and somebody Mike else? Tolbert was okay, there Tolbert. Too. Yeah. Okay, so it was Jonathan Stewart and Tolbert that year, and both of them played very, very well. They had a dynamic duel. Uh, duo. They were one of the best running teams in the league. I think they were averaging a little bit over a hundred yards a game. And they were averaging almost a touchdown a game with their running backs. Jonathan Stewart, was a, he was a, a Pro Bowl player that year. I remember that he was. And their secondary was about really the best secondary in football at the time. Yeah, one of Josh Norman's two good years in the NFL. He was fantastic <laughs> yeah, that he year. Was. He was. He was. And he, he wanted that contract after that year. And he winded up going to Washington and failed over there. Washington Commanders, where defensive players go to ruin their careers. Well, I guess. <laughs> but for him to come out. And attack Tua, Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott. First of all, let's get into Jared Goff. I have never been a Jared Goff fan. As a matter of fact, when he was drafted at number one from Cal, there was a lot of questions about who he was. I thought Carlson Wentz was going to be a better quarterback. I was wrong. Carlson Wentz cannot get along with anybody, any teammates. He's been a journeyman ever since he left Philadelphia. He's been on two other teams, and he's failed on both those teams. He, he actually was only there on the other two teams that he played for one year. Really, one year on all those teams that he played for, besides the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay? Jared Goff, and I, I said a lot. I, I thought Sean McVay 
really hurt Jared Goff's development. And when Jared Goff went to Detroit, it changed everything. Jared Goff became an efficient top-end quarterback when he had Sean McVay out of his ear. And I'm not saying Sean McVay isn't a good quarterback coach, isn't a great head coach. I think he's a fantastic head coach. But he couldn't do the things that he wanted to do, and the development really didn't help under Sean McVay. It changed under Campbell and his coaching staff. He deserves to be here. He deserves to be a candidate to win the MVP this year. Look at what the Lions have done this year. Statistically, they have been one of the best teams in the league. They're going to be a contender this year. Even though they haven't played the last uh, played very well the last two weeks, they lost against Green Bay on Thursday I, I, uh, for, the Thanksgiving, for the Thanksgiving game. I was very surprised about that, being that they were the home team. But nevertheless, Jared Goff has been sensational. His numbers has been as good as any quarterback in the NFL. Then you have Tua. Tua's had concussion problem after concussion problem after concussion problem. And finally, he stayed healthy all season long. Everybody keeps talking about Tyreek Hill, how he's an MVP candidate, as uh, you know, all these different you know, weapons that he has. Mike McDaniels is one of the big geniuses right now in the NFL. He, he's a little smurf who likes to you know, say things on and off the field. I love him. I watch, I watch Hard Knocks. He's funny. He's, he's a little outlandish. If you haven't heard Tyreek Hill come out and say what Tua has been for the team, Tua already, I mean, Tyreek Hill came out and said that he's not the MVP of this team. It's Tua. So you hear one of your players who's a conceited player who thinks he's as fast as a cheetah. He could he could beat Hussein Bolt in a race, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah. Nevertheless, he's come out and said that. He has never thrown his quarterback under the bus. That says a lot about what Tua has done this year as a quarterback and staying healthy the way he has all season long when everybody thought it was career-ending last year after he got knocked out on the field. And then there's Brock Purdy. Now, I am not a big fan of Brock Purdy. Okay? I'm not. Because I believe... He fits what the team, what his team does for him offensively. He's got Christian McCaffrey, who should be an MVP candidate. He's got Ayuk, who's been one of the better wide receivers in the league and consistent wide receivers. He has Debo Samuel. He has Kittle, George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in football and, and starting to play really good football. He's got weapons all over the field, and their defense is world renowned. I mean, who's better than them defensively? As a matter of fact, did anybody see who's going to the Pro Bowl from San Francisco? They got about eight players going to the Pro Bowl. They're the only team in the NFL that has about eight players going to. Their starting lineup is going to be San Francisco. Okay? Brock Purdy deserves a lot of credit for the type of player he's become this year. He is a seventh-round draft pick. He was the final pick of the draft about a, a year and a half ago. He took a quarterback job away from the guy that was drafted as the third pick in the first round, and they traded him away for him. That says a lot about who he is. They gave him the reins from Jimmy Garoppolo, who took this team to an NFC title game and a Super Bowl and was a player or two away from winning a Super Bowl. If that doesn't show that he's not a game manager and he's not a game changer, then I don't know what does. This guy deserves all the credit. Statistically, he belongs to be an MVP candidate. And then there's Dak Prescott, who everybody has thrown under the bus year in, year out. You've heard Aaron Rodgers come out and say what he has seen of the talent uh, and, and transition and the transformation of Dak Prescott as a starting quarterback in the league. As a matter of fact, Aaron Rodgers said 
recently on the Pat McAfee show, he said, I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch football over the last couple of years because I've been playing it. He said, I've had time because he tore his Achilles. I've had time to watch other quarterbacks play the position. And he said about Dak Prescott, not only is Dak Prescott one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, he deserves all the accolades, the credit uh, for the development of understanding how to play the quarterback position. It's not all about just throwing the ball and throwing it to the open guy. It's reading plays, calling plays, calling, understanding the defenses, finding the way to beat defenses. He said Dak Prescott has transformed himself in a year as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And statistically, he's, to me, the best quarterback in the NFL right now. So you listen to Cam Newton, who has an obsession for Patrick Mahomes. An obsession. Maybe because he's a Swifty. Okay? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because he has a style where he's hanging out with Patrick Mahomes after the games. I don't know what it is. But Cam Newton should not be speaking about who and what a game manager or a difference maker should be. Because he for only, I would say, two or three years of his career, he was a game-changing quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, five years I would say he was good, but he was always, like, not every other year. It was, like, every it other year. It was three years, Yeah, man. it was every other year. Like, it was a pattern. I'll pull up good, his bad, numbers. Good, bad, good, bad. Like, greatest rookie year in 2011, good 2013, and then his MVP year, obviously, 15. But in between, there were some bad years and injury-riddled years, too. So his peak of being a dynamic quarterback was five years, probably, of that of that. not span. a Hall of Famer. Not a Hall of Never, be, no. never will be. No. By the way, he has the ugliest hair, by the way. <laughs> yes, that's so. But I think the term game manager is also misconstrued here, too, because a game manager is usually thought of as a quarterback that just makes simple throws, just makes it uh, the accurate throws, just do what you need to do to not lose the game. And I don't think any of these quarterbacks really fit that mold. Jared Goff with the Lions, their first year, the team didn't do very well, but they were pesky in games, and their offense was good because of Jared Goff right away in that Campbell system. Tua. Very good deep accuracy. Throws the ball. I know they have speed on the team, but he throws the ball well down the field. That's not a game manager. A game manager would not take those shots. Same kind of thing with Purdy. Purdy was being criticized for his not having a lot of arm strength, but his deep accuracy numbers are very good, too. And Dak Prescott, like you were saying, definitely not a game manager by any means. Were there years I thought he was? Yes. Not the last three years. All right. Cam Newton played 10 years in the NFL. And in 2011 season, he was 6-10. and 10. He, he had 4,051 yards, 21 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. That's not good. I'm sorry. I don't care how many yards he throws. It doesn't matter. He was not good. In 2012, he was 7-9. He had 3,869 yards, 19 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That's not good. 2013, he was 12 and 4. Okay, you want that? You want that to stand out? That was a pretty good season. 3,379 yards, 24 touch, 24 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. That's okay. Okay, then we'll, I'm not going to mention all of them. Here's the seasons that really stuck out to me. He was 15 and 1 in 2015. He had 3,837 yards, 35 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He won the MVP. Then in 2017, okay, he was 11 and 5, 3,302 yards, 22, 22 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, but his completion percentage was pretty good, okay? It was pretty good. He, it, the three seasons that he stood out was 2013, 2015, 2017. Those were his seasons. Every other season, we're losing seasons practically. He was six and ten, seven and nine, five and eight, six and eight, six and eight, zero and two, seven and eight, and zero oh and five. 
Okay, that is coming now. You're you're hearing as you hear those numbers and as you see his statistics and you see what type of player he is. Is that what you want to hear? What an MVP should be? Are you going to take somebody's advice? Yes, he won one MVP. So have many different quarterbacks. Many different quarterbacks. Uh, Aaron Rodgers won three or four MVPs. Do you hear? Aaron Rodgers coming out and saying that Brock Purdy shouldn't be in the conversation or Jared Goff shouldn't be in the conversation or I don't know. And by the way, he mentioned all these guys. He, he's mentioned Jared Goff, how great Jared Goff's look this year. Aaron Rodgers said this on Pat McAfee's show. He said this about Brock Purdy. He said that about Dak Prescott. All the quarterbacks that Cam Newton says is not an MVP quality quarterback, and that shouldn't be even brought up. They're not even game changers. Is absolutely ridiculous. As a matter of fact, I think Cam Newton needs to shut his mouth. It didn't work over there in New England when he was there for, what, one year? Oh, and he, yeah. had, he was coached by one of the greatest coaches in NFL history. And he, then he goes back to Carolina because he thought he was going to be half decent. He was 0-5-0, and 0, okay? With 684 yards, four touchdowns to five interceptions. Great for you. You're, you're an MVP caliber quarterback. I, I would never, ever, 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 ever listen to a quarterback of Cam Newton's quality. Yeah, I also think that it doesn't really matter about MVP rankings in terms of judging quarterback skill sets, too. Game managers are just have a game plan, stick to it, and don't really change much, but are very basic. Like I think that terminology is just off with every one of them, too. Look at this. 194 touchdowns to 123 interceptions. Do you know that he's only thrown, I would say, uh, 60 more touchdowns to interceptions? That's bad. That's bad. When you look at an elite quarterback, go look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers. If we bring it up, Aaron Rodgers has thrown 200 more touchdowns than interceptions. Mm -hmm. So did Peyton Manning. So did Tom Brady. So did Drew Brees. We could go on and on and on. If Drew Brees said that, if Peyton Manning said that, if Tom Brady said that, or Steve Young has said that, or Joe Montana has said that, then I would say he has something, they have something to say. I would listen to what they're saying. When Cam Newton's speaking about this, when he's done it one time and he never won a Super Bowl, I could care less what Cam Newton thinks. I also think, too, like you can't just judge a quarterback based on those statistics either. Like You're not going to call Trevor Lawrence a game manager because he's had a down year. He still has a very great skill set for a quarterback. Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Cam Newton has been yeah. in the three or four years he's played. Yeah, okay? so I, I think that kind of rankings system like it kind of just twists the term of what the game manager terminology is. Now, could Lamar Jackson win MVP? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that that wasn't realistic to think. He should, he's up there. Yeah, no, he's definitely chance. up there, and I, he's not the favorite, which is fine to think. But even so, like, I don't think the MVP rankings should judge which quarterback should be a game manager and which shouldn't be. By the way, speaking of Dak, we have our fellow Dak hater on the phone, Jeff. Yeah, Dak sucks. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Dak, Dak is the current Cam Newton. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what's happening. Right Dak there. is a much better quarterback than Cam Newton. Uh, well, Cam won an MVP, so you can't take that away from him as much as you don't like him. And I realize we're all remembering the years where Cam couldn't play at the end and they were terrible. But he did win an MVP, which is more than Dak. But I will give Dak credit. The Beeb was right. He finally won a trophy last year on Super Bowl weekend. So congratulations <laughs> to the Walter Payton man of the year. First, I, of all, I have to give I have to give credit where credit is due. Congratulations, Earl! You got one right. First of all, Jeff Tyler Glass now is a Dodger. Well, there you go. And and I I don't think they're done. By the way, they're they, not because they also acquired Manuel uh, Manuel Margot in that deal. Mm. 
Yeah, and they're probably they're probably getting hater, and there's a very good chance they're still in it with Yamamoto. I I just think Yamamoto's going to the Yankees. I I cannot. Who's see your that. source? Did you did you have a, a guy like a Southern Fried Chicken place? Who who is your source? <laughs> there's no source. It's 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 what I know. The Yankees have I failed to get the guy that they want. No, I shut up, Jeff. Shut up. You, I'll give you a restaurant. I'll, I'll tell I you what. Why don't you go hang out with Jameis Winston and go steal a couple crab legs? Okay. What the hell? First of all, are you calling the show to actually? James Winston thing that could have been your source. It might be your source. I mean, you like seafood, do you not? Love it. Okay, there you go. Uh, you and like crab legs? Uh, it's, it's a very lean protein. It's very healthy for you. You okay. know what I'm saying? Like, it's really good. I'm not into the fatty things. Like, that's why I hate the beef. He's always got potato salad, coleslaw, <laughs> all that kind of crap. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. What do you want to talk about? No, I was trying to give you credit for, you know, the, the Tyler Glass now thing just hit. So, like, you know, I wanted to give you credit that, like, you had just been talking about it. Bam. It hit. It just dropped. And they got a good platoon outfielder with them too. Mm-hmm. Like Marco's a pretty good platoon outfielder. I I, I want to see if where Hater's going. It it seems to be. I I think it's going to be the Dodgers. Everything that I've read that the Dodgers are in on him, and and they're going to open up their pockets. I'm I'm interested to see what they're going to do with Yamamoto. Are they in now with Yamamoto after trading for Tyler, Tyler Glass? Now I think they will be, but I I think there was something that they knew the inside. Maybe they know that they're out on. On Yamamoto, and that the Yankees or the Mets or somebody else is in on him, I, or maybe well, that would be that would be my feeling. Why would you Why would you trade for yeah. Glass now if you're getting Yamamoto? That's what I the, think the, too. The rumor, and that's the rumor is yeah. the, the hot rumor is, and it's just a rumor. This isn't me saying it's definite, but it's the rumor that he's he's going to get ten years, three hundred million. Yeah, that's uh, by the way, our, our rumorville himself, Josh <laughs> Silverberg, has come out and said that he is going to make well over three hundred million dollars now. I do believe that the Yankees are 100% uh, in on this. At least I, I, I'm almost – I would say I'm not – I'm 50-50 on this that the Yankees are going to land Yamamoto because they didn't want to lose into the Dodgers. And I think everybody thought after uh, Shea Otani deferred some of that money that Yamamoto – it was a sure thing that he was going to uh, the Dodgers. It seems like now that they added Tyler Glass now that it, it would be very, very unlikely that he is going – to the Dodgers. The Yamamoto to the Yankees thing, while everyone's been talking about it, it doesn't make much sense if uh, it holds true what he was saying, that he wanted to play with another Japanese player because the Yankees don't have another Japanese player. Yes, and but I also heard uh, through another story that that wasn't true, that whoever said that is un- it's untrue. So, right, but it was said, correct? That's not yes, it was said. Term. It was said. There was a, a numerous amount of stories saying uh, John Heyman came out and said that 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 story could be true. Uh, but also, John Heyman this past week came out and said that maybe that's not true. And, and but again, we don't know what Yamamoto, his agent, and what him him and his family are thinking now uh, on possibly going to New York, either the Mets, or the Yankees, or even the but Red also- Sox or the Dodgers. But it also doesn't make much sense either. And this isn't me trying to crap on Yamamoto. Like, I'm not trying to do that. But Japanese pitchers, for the most part, haven't had great success. Like, they have early success, and then they stink after, like, year two, right? Like, they're terrible after year two. Mm -hmm. And so, like, giving him a 10-year deal seems foolish based on, like, you know, like, look at Dice K with the Red Sox. He was great for two years. And then he really sucked. Arabu with the Yankees. He was great for two years. And then he really sucked. I don't even know if Arabu was great for two years. He was maybe great for maybe five or six games. He was horrible. He was horrible. I thought he was pretty pretty good early. 
Uh, I thought he was horrible. Arabu was the, one of the worst contracts right, the like, Yankees have ever given a player. But to give a long-term contract like that to to someone who pitches in an inferior league, which the Japanese league is like, I don't know, is it AAA plus kind of? I don't know. I mean, the Japanese team always wins those World Baseball Classics, so it tells you how right. good. You can pick out 10 guys that can play, but the league overall, yeah. like Major League Baseball, every team has good players. Mm-hmm. Like. You're not going to tell me that you have a good league that Kevin, that 45, 48-year-old Manny Ramirez can play in. Well, Speedy, bring up Trevor Bauer's numbers over there in Japan this past year. Uh, Trevor Bauer, he was one of the best pitchers. He won an MVP. What was Trevor Bauer's in his his first year in Japan? I want to see what his and how we can calculate and kind of compare to Yamamoto's numbers. He had an all right season. He had an all right season. And and, and this is Trevor Bauer. 2.59 ERA, 1.13 whip, and 160 strikeouts and 24 starts. I mean, Yamamoto's numbers are way better. But also consider that because those numbers are okay. Like, they're pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. But also consider – he was coming off and not pitching for a year. How many people play good after not pitching for a year? Like nobody plays good. And I think those numbers are a reflection of the lack of talent over there. Like one through, like every team might have a guy, but I'm talking like one through nine. Uh, there's, there, there's every Yankees, a tough out. Every Astro is a tough out. Every Red Sox is a tough, every Dodger is a tough, every dude, the Atlanta Braves, every one of them is a tough out. Like, I don't think that there's, a whole lot of tough outs in the Japanese league. There's probably like two on every team. You might be right, but I, I, I'm also calculating what I've seen. Now, statistics don't really show what we've seen with Trevor Bauer when he was in the MLB. And, and we don't know if Yamamoto could pitch against the top players in baseball in the world. So, but that's what I'm saying. That's why I think it's but like here's the thing. a 10-year deal because he could suck after a year two. Here's the thing. Did anybody watch him play in the World Baseball Classic? How he dominated in the World Baseball Classic? He pitched, what, two, three times? He dominated in all three of those games. So Right, but you're also missing the you're also missing the whole point because you're taking a very small sample size and just saying oh three games you're right and i i I said this about segan until the yankees have faced him seven times and it's just like hitting off a pitching machine I also said this about Senga when, with, with the Mets fans, and I, I told Josh I think Senga is going to be the Mets' best pitcher. But here's the problem: we have seen this with Japanese pitchers. We have to see him do it multiple years. Let's see Sing, what he can do next year when players and and coaches have seen him Aren't pitch numerous amount of times. Yes, a hundred percent. So I want to maybe Yamamoto pitches well for one year and doesn't pitch well again. We've seen that with Soto. Right, Remember that? He can pitch good for three games because no one's ever seen him before. And when you've never faced a pitcher before the advantage goes to the pitcher even more so because the pitcher is already going to have success like think about it if you go three for three for ten off the guy you're a hall of famer mm-hmm. and and you're going to have less success as a hitter because you've never seen him before mm. right so wait until they have film on him they know what his percentage of fastballs uh sweepers sliders curves changes like they'll catch on to him fairly quick no, and I, and I agree with you. I, I think that when you look at the 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 way the league is and, and the development of some of these young players and even these pitchers that you're, you're saying, and I, I want to see what Soto is going to get before I – you know, I can attack it. I, I do believe that the Yankees are going to be willing to give him. And, and it's crazy because I've heard Brian Cashman said he will never give a player a 10-year deal. He will never give a, a player a 10-year deal. But 
I, 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 st- the norm in the, that's becoming the norm in yes, the business. Model, yes. So he's going to have to adapt with the time. A hundred percent. Or maybe he's not going to adapt, and that's why he might be on his way out. And and that's why I think that when you look at the Yankees, they are not going to. I believe the Yankees do not want to strike out again and lose another pitcher to an LA team. Now I still think the Dodgers are still in it. They could still add Yamamoto. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, but. I, 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 I don't think it's likely now after trading for Glass. Now, I think he was told, I think the Dodgers were told today or within the last 24 hours that Yamamoto has narrowed it down to one or two teams or he, Yamamoto plans to go here. And I think a lot of teams already knows where, know where Yamamoto is going. He did go and visit the Phillies today. He's not going to the Phillies. I, I, I think it's down. I still think the Mets are in on it. I just think that the Yankees are not going to lose Yamamoto to the Mets. I, I don't. And, and I'm, I'm not – Jeff, again, I'm a Yankee fan. I'm not going to be happy with a 10-year deal, $300 million, especially from a pitcher I have not seen in the major leagues. But the I Yankees mean, don't right, want to strike out. A, right. I think it's a huge risk mm-hmm. because it's a coveted player, and that's about what everyone's talking that he could get. But also – it seems foolish to give that length of a contract for that much money to someone that hasn't played against that kind of competition, like consistently. I think you're right. But look at Shea Otani. Look what Shea Otani got when Ohtani, he went to the no, Angels. No, you can't do that because Otani has been playing for what, – what, has Otani been in the league five years? No, no, no. I'm not talking about the contract that he got now. I'm talking about when, when the Angels signed him and he got the big contract from the Angels. At the time, that was a huge contract. It was huge. And we've, I don't think a Japanese player got that kind of money at the time. I think he made more than Hideki Matsui, did he not? Probably, yeah. He was more uh, or um, yeah. any of the Yankee pitchers, Japanese well, pitchers that well, have come into the league. contract going forward is going to No, I'm just saying, I, I mean, uh, what did he get? I, what, what was the contract that Shea Otani got from the Angels? I think, that, I, think that, I think the most comparable one is the one from last year that I think that you can compare is the uh, – Yoshida deal. I think. What did Yoshida? Did Yoshida get 125 million? I think so. Uh, you, you look that up. I have no idea, and I'm not going to say that I know for sure. And I'm not. I'm not going to throw myself under the bus because then you'll kill me. It was 30 million dollars the last year, but besides that, it was only eight million, and then less than a million. What for did Shea Otani get get in full? So it looks like it's five years, about 42, from what it looks like. Shea Otani got 42 million dollars. Yeah, a um, year. Uh, about uh, no total, oh, total, total. forty-two million dollars. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't as much. Engine. So maybe not. It might have not been right. As so much. we got twelve million dollars a year. Okay, so they they got a bargain there. because the other part of that process that you need to understand too is there'll be a posting fee that has mm-hmm. to be paid. Mm-hmm. And right? the Yankees, so, if the Yankees get Yamamoto, they're going to have to pay a posting fee too. So it might even be more than three hundred million dollars. Right, but that but that has to be calculated into the risk because Otani might have gotten. 40 million or whatever, but the posting fee could have been another 30. I'm, I'm looking up Japanese pitchers that have come into the major leagues and the contracts that they've gotten from major league teams. Cause I know the Yankees well, for what did years. Yoshida get last year? I don't know. I, Speedy, you could look that up. I, I don't know. And offhand, I don't know, but I, I think he, I think it was over a hundred million dollars. He definitely from the Cubs. Are you talking about him? No, the one from the Red Sox. The Red Sox, that's right. Five for 90. So $90 million. Uh, how about the kid that the, the Cubs got? What did he get? So I, I, I'm also looking at pitching. Pitching, you're going to get more money because it, it's pitching is the, the dominant position in the I sport. Mean, you could, but do you see him getting twice as much as Yoshida? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. 
Again, Yamamoto has been the best pitcher that the Japanese leagues have seen. Even better. He was even better than Shea Otani. If you look at his numbers right, and compare him to Shea Otani. Every prospect. Even you Darvish. The best prospect we've ever seen. No, I'm just saying. If you look at you Darvish, all the Japanese pitchers that came out. The well, only you Darvish is Korean, but okay. Uh, whatever. You Darvish. Uh, Japanese, uh, I mean, Asian player. All the Asian players that have come into the league. And they, they were comparing what they were. It, you know, in their respectable leagues coming to the major leagues, his numbers are by far better than every single one of them. Every the single Korean one of them. Worse than the Japanese I league. know that, Jeff, but you Darvish was fantastic. He was fantastic when yeah, even early, he hasn't been. He's, like, he had that UCL tear, and he hasn't been the same since then. When he tore, when he tore, and he had to, when he tore his UCL and had Tommy John's, he was never the same pitcher. Never. But, I, but, but regardless of injury. Uh, because you can never count on that or whatever. Every pitcher starts off good and then tails off. I'll give you another one. Hideo Nomo. Mm-hmm. He was the he one, yes. Long, yes, for three years he, he was good. He had a long career, but mm-hmm. he was dominant for like the first two years, and then everyone was like, oh, we've seen this. Yes, and you're right. And Hideo Nomo, I remember when the Cubs brought him in, and he was fantastic for three years. He was a starting pitcher, and then they moved him to the bullpen. I think he went he went from the starting pitching to the bullpen. He was better in the bullpen for a significant amount of time than he was as a starter because teams got a chance to see him and understand. And and that's the thing about Japanese pitchers. It's the way they hide the ball. It's it's their release point that changes everything and that's what makes Shea Otani so special is 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 you you still as a pitch as a hitter you still don't understand the release point of the way he throws his curveball or his slider and, and that's what makes him a dominant force when he's uh you know he's at the you know on the pitching mound so uh, you're absolutely right Jeff and, and you could go back and forth and we I could am. argue what I'm sorry I said of course I am well I don't know about that you're not always right but I it, it, there's a there no you're not and stop trying to be Mikey C, who thinks he's ninety percent right when he's ninety percent wrong. But no, I mean Mikey C is pretty accurate. Too. Really? Oh god! Really? Do you want me? Oh, yeah. Do you want me to go over some of the things that he's no, said over the past? Be <laughs> you've done, and then you'll hate it. Uh, dude, you'll like, hey, dude, dude. Back on that? Everybody, everybody has their own thoughts to certain things, and they're not always right. But I could tell you a ton of things that I've been absolutely right. And as a matter of fact, you could sit on this. Well, Bill Belichick leaves, and I said Bill Belichick is. During the season, but really three or four games into the season, I, th- I said Bill Belichick is going to be let go at the end of the season. You told me they just uh, when the story came out that they extended him, that he's not leaving. And I'm going to tell yeah, you. Yeah. All right, so we'll see about that because here's the part that you're not talking about because you're only talking about what. So Tom Curran is the guy that wrote that article. And that uh, did that article come out on Tuesday night? Mm. They had already made up their mind after the Colts game. They're letting him go. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesday morning at 8 a.m., he wrote another article that said, well, it sounds like they're reconsidering. Yeah. So he literally wrote both sides of the story just to write a story because he's bored. Mm. Okay. So when he gets released at the end of the season and he goes he to the – I don't know that he's going to. And he goes to the Chargers, which I've been saying that before the season even started. I'm going to tell you I was right, okay, because – I, I'm not always right, but I'm right a lot. And and again, you you won't give me any credit for when I'm right, but you love to attack me when I'm wrong. So All right, well, it's fine. Well, both it's fine. Thing, both things are going to need to happen for you to be right. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be he gets let go, and it's the Chargers. Mm. No getting. Do you remember? 
you remember Washington and you would go, oh, see, I was right again. Do you remember about a year ago when you told me there was no chance in hell that the Jets were going to get Aaron Rodgers? Remember that? Oh, I, I do. Remember that? Right. Remember right, that? I, know, I do remember that. getting one of the two, and it oh. could be Derek Carr. So you name like six or seven No, I said Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr, and I said – you can book it. And you sat there and you told me, oh, there you go again with booking it. You know, it, it's so it's so funny. It's You know, you make me laugh. I can sit here over and over again with your stupidity every single show on the dumb things that come out of your mouth. And I don't sit here and, hey, bring it up. Hey, look, remember when you said this? Remember when you said that? Remember when you had a freaking finger up your ass? Do you remember the Freddie Freeman contract where Errol was like, there's no way they're going to pay him $100 million. There's no way. Oh, he's and going back read, with this. You, he's going on, back with this. Read, mm. And then you read what he got, mm. and he went, see, I knew he was going to get that money. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't Do think he remember? remembers everything. I, I, I'm just, just Jeff, uh, texting we, Wes right now. Jeff, sorry. let me tell you something. You when, Wes is waiting. When, we have our guests. I don't know if all, uh, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Okay. okay. You remember when Errol said bet the boat on I'm tired. Bet the boat. Bet the boat, baby. Yes, we know. We, Jeff, we have to let right you go. Back? We have to. We have Jeff, to make. We, we gotta go. We have. Okay. We, have, we have to have Westmaker picks quick, and then we have our guests. I, I want to apologize for all the fans that we had the stupidity on online. Thank you. If you want to hear somebody who's ridiculously stupid, we can listen to Jeff. Anyway, I want to apologize to all the fans. I want to apologize to our guest, uh, Mr. Suggs. Uh, just uh, give us a second. We're give, gonna give go us like five picks. minutes. Wes is gonna make his and, picks, and, and so then, then we'll, we'll, we'll get him in. And I, I, I want to apologize for the absolute ridiculousness but we got Wes and uh, why don't we get into it we call this segment Let's Parlay Parlay It's time for Let's Parlay Mr. Wes lost track of time I want to apologize are you ready Wes? I am ready. Oh, I'm 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 excited. No, Derek. I, I it's it's crazy. May, next week, Derek will definitely be here. He doesn't miss back to back weeks. No, he doesn't. But uh, let's get into it, Matt Wes. You know how to do this. You get four picks. Your final pick is the parlay pick. Let's hit it. First pick. Yeah. No, full disclosure up front. You know, I, I took a seventy-five percent. Yes, you did. Uh, cash out haircut on my <laughs> on my bankroll this week. So I, I mean, I. I cashed it down we're getting into a dangerous time of the nfl season and uh you know, i decided to pay myself so um <laughs> it's important that everybody knows this is a very dangerous time in the nfl and the nc2a for football but uh fcs football was great to me last weekend uh first play i'm gonna go with the washington football team or the commanders <laughs> whatever, whatever they're choosing to be called these days um <laughs> I, I like them uh, getting six six and a half points going against the rams who played out of their minds and made a real game at baltimore i think that the travel involved in this game is going to impact the, the, the home team uh because they're traveling from baltimore a big game overtime game uh going against a team that that's well rested 75 percent of the tickets are on the rams uh, which automatically makes me look uh, to, to the other side. But the, the travel involved, big game, small game, I'm taking the points. I'm taking Washington. All right. Give us your second pick. Second pick. I, I, I'm sure you're going to have some remarks. This is, I swear it's not revenge. Uh, I, I, it was a long walk back to the car at Arrowhead. Uh, 
you know, I didn't actually get to see the play or the call or the replay in real time. I was just a part of the 75,000 that <laughs> that play was called back. But but I'm taking Dallas. I'm taking two points. Uh, 72% of the tickets are on the Bills. I think that uh, what really what, what's happening with the line is, is there's a little overreaction to the Bills beating what is really a struggling Chiefs team right now. This is not... I mean, they, the Chiefs look very broken compared to the team that won the Super Bowl last year. There's a lot that they need to overcome. But, you know, Josh Allen rushed the ball 10 times. He had to throw the ball 42 times. Um, he threw a pick. Uh, he was hovering at 50% completion. I think it's fair to say that the Dallas defense is as good, possibly better, probably better than the Chiefs defense. Um, and I just, there's no statistic that I can find that other than the Dallas, uh, Dallas's losses coming on the road, there's no statistic I can find that would say the Bills are are better than Dallas. I'm taking two points. I'm going to play some money line, and I really like Dallas uh, in this game. What, what does Dak say? Here we go. <laughs> oh, wait, wait a second. Cam Newton says he shouldn't even be an MVP candidate. Cam Newton's speaking and throwing people under the bus. Why would he be doing that? I have no idea, but that's this, a whole other story. This is an odd-feeling season, though, for, for MVP. And, you know, it. it Watch what Miami does without Tyreek Hill, and I think that that's going to speak louder than what the players actually do on the field. And, you know, last year there was an injury. This year there's an injury to the MVP. So it's an odd MVP race, but I think it is Dak at this point. All right. Give us your third pick, my friends. I am going to jump to um, NC2A. Football. I'm taking Miami, Ohio, and I'm taking six and a half points. I don't know why this line moved from four and a half to, to six and a half. Um, you know, when I when I look at um, App State and and how they play against good defenses, you know, real good comp is how they played against uh, against James Madison and um, Joey Aguilar is a dual threat. Uh, and he doesn't do well against against really good defenses. It was a three-point game against James Madison. I'm looking what uh, Miami, Ohio just did to, to Daquan Finn, who is also a dual threat, held him to 30 yards rushing. Miami is not scoring a lot of points. They have an incredible defense. If they didn't play in the MAC, there would be a different conversation around how they're winning on defense and opportunity. So taking six and a half points in this spot is is it feels like a gift because I don't, I struggle to see them losing the game, but taking six and a half, uh, the MAC champion. All right, Mr. West, give us your parlay pick. You know, I was gonna go to the UConn and Gonzaga game, uh, but then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go elsewhere. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna stay with the NFL, and I'm gonna go New Orleans, and I'm laying six points. I think that the Giants got their win that we knew they weren't gonna lose every single game to close it out. They, they caught some opportunity they recovered some fumbles they intercepted the ball uh you know job well done against green bay i think they caught green bay coming off of a high after beating the chiefs at lambeau um i mean then it felt like a bigger accomplishment than the chiefs team that we're seeing right now but the giants have allowed 69 sacks this season just i mean we're we're that would be an omg if it made it through a season and a half, yeah. let alone where they are at this point. And they're going up against a team that's averaging just a hair over three sacks per game. They're going to go into a loud dome. Uh, New Orleans has a pretty good pass defense, top five. They can get after the quarterback. 
I, the only question is, is New Orleans going to be able to put up the points? Because we're looking at, you know, the last few games uh, and, and Carr is, he's almost about the same in terms of turning the ball over as he is actual touchdown passes. But uh, I, I like the Giants coming off, or I, I'm sorry, I like New Orleans taking on the Giants coming off a pretty big win in a, in a pretty visible spot. Uh, DeVito, applause to the guy, great character. It's fun to watch. Um I, the gentleman that was on the sideline with the with the pinstripes, you know, look, looking like he was, you know, the, the I know a guy, he was one of those. Um, but, you know, normally I wouldn't lay six points, uh, but this one feels, it's just a classic coming off a big win, traveling to a hostile place against a defense that can sack them. I think the Giants will go back to their getting sacked about five times. <laughs> Well, Wes, I owe you a jersey, so you, you, you have to give me, text me your size. I promised you, you won, and uh, you deserve did, all the credit in the world. The, what? Did the Herbert injury seal it? Is that what sealed it for you? Because I think Denver's No, got I a think shot it was sold uh, a long time ago. Well, Denver's got a shot at winning that division if you look at their schedule. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not going to happen. So I, you Just can... look at their schedule and, and do the math. It, it, it Numerically, there is a chance. I'm not saying it happens, but numerically, the chance is there. Yeah, numerically, Cam Newton can come out of retirement and actually go to the Super Bowl with whoever he's playing for, but that's not going to happen. Anyways, we love you. As always, we'll see you next week. We'll talk off air because there's a lot I want to – because we were talking about some things that we were yep. discussing. Uh, I have some ideas, so we'll talk in the next couple of days, my friend. I'm in. Stay safe. Always be cashing, fellas. Absolutely. Wes from Let's Parlay. Let's go to a quick break. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time on our show, former Jet, as I am a Jet fan, ladies and gentlemen, happy to have him on, and Bengals defensive back, Schaefer Suggs, here on the Sports Loudmouth. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouth. Loud mouth. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. No Jeff, no Snug, no problem, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedster, Speedy Petey. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouth, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Tune in. Check out all our local listings of all our shows throughout our network. All you have to do is go to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. I want to apologize to this guy uh, as he's been sitting here waiting as uh, we don't want to do when we have guests on a show, but we're happy to have him on. We're now talking to former Jets and Bengals defense. Defensive back, Schaefer Suggs. Schaefer, what's up, bud? Good evening. You look good, man. You're set. You guys guys got got a lot of content there I was listening to. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, well, we really appreciate you joining us in Even Waiting. And by the way, I found out, I was reading about you. You're 70 years old. You don't look 70. You look pretty good, man. Thank you. Thank you. So we had our uh, Jets Legends weekend Mm. uh, two weekends ago. Mm -hmm. They brought everybody back during the Falcons game, and they introduced all of the players. There were players from, I think, seven, six decades. So I know that I'm getting older because I was one of the first two or three that was introduced. <laughs> to go to the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and they went all the way through. But it was so nice seeing a lot of the former players, players I had never met, Benny Testaverde, for the first time. So it was really nice to be back. I had a chance to meet Chad Pennington for the first time. And, you know, fortunately, my, my buddy Joe Namath wasn't there this week, but uh, – 
you know, he's been at previous Legends weekends, but it was really a nice weekend. Unfortunately, the, Bear, uh, the Bears, it just did not look very well that weekend. <laughs> when do they ever look well? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Jet yeah. fan. I've been following the Jets since I was a baby. I, I don't know why or how I become it became a Jet fan. Maybe when I was seven years old and I, I got involved in watching football because I was a kid, I said, you know what? I like the green and white better than the blue and red, <laughs> and I like gang green better than uh, the big blue. So I, I, I don't know what it is, but I picked the wrong team. I'm just kidding. I, I love the Jets. I'll always be a Jet fan. But you, you know, you awesome. mentioned you mentioned the seventy Jets. Uh, one of them, I'm very good friends with John Nitty. Who uh, I don't know if people know who John is. It's so funny because I'll tell you a quick story. I was I was at Fridays a couple of a couple of weeks ago, and John was with his two sons, his future daughter in law, his wife, and I, he was sitting there. He was hanging out in the corner. Nobody knew who it was. And I walked up to John. I'm like, John, what are you doing here? He says. Well, you know, it's it's Thanksgiving Eve, and I just wanted to get away. I didn't want to cook because we're cooking tomorrow, and I'm hanging out with the fam. And I, it was the first time I met his kids. His son actually was interviewed on our show. He actually played college football pretty damn good. And, and John uh, has been a friend uh, of the show and been a friend of mine for the last couple of years. So I know you know John. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with John Nitty. Well, so John was in my wedding. So I met John, actually. He was actually still uh, at Yale. Uh, the senior year, I was living on Long Island, Westbury. I was training at Westbury High School, and I was running around the track. And so this blonde, good-built young man, and he I think he knew who I was, and he introduced himself to, to me, and we started working out together. And we have been friends ever since. That had to be 1979, 1980. Mm. Uh, John was in my wedding. I will tell you how much I adore him, his family. Anne Marie, RJ, John Michael, mm-hmm. Kate, I know very, very well. So, my son Devin is a senior at Yale, mm. and John always we are we're always competing. You know, I was telling people that uh, I'm always beating him in a race, and he finally beat me at something. He beat me in convincing my son to go to Yale versus Ball State. Mm. So, <laughs> I said, John, that's one defeat I'll take because Yale is a tremendous university and. They have been able to come to Devin's uh, E.L. Harvard game the last two years, the whole family. So, yeah, very, very good friend of mine. Sweet guy, uh, very good family. Uh, and I've met him at a couple of events, Jets events. Uh, he's always given me the time, and uh, we became friends. Uh, not only he's been on a show, he's been on a show twice, but uh, – We've every time I see him, he, he him and his wife have been gracious and and uh, I I know they're jet guys. I, I know him and his family are jet guys and and I he I attacked Robert Sala when I was over there Thanksgiving Eve and I, I and they were like oh I like I like Rob and I, I was like well I like him too that doesn't mean he's going to win us a Super Bowl so it is. and he looked at me as like come on Errol and I I was like I'm just speaking the truth man I've been a Jet fan just as long as you've been you know. Been a you know a jet player, so I mean, well, actually, I, he's been a, he was a jet player for a couple of years. I've been a jet fan for I think over thirty some odd years. So it's been it's been a horrible ride as a jet fan. So why don't we get into it? Uh, let's go into your career first. Tell us a little bit about your career playing with Joe Namath. What was it like playing with Joe? And what type of personality was he was he as a player on and off the field? And and tell us a little bit about those teams that you played for. So, yeah, uh, so I was the second pick in the 76th draft. And as you well know, that uh, 
that was Joe's last year with the New York Jets. So I got a chance to spend one season with him. And keep in mind, I had one poster at Ball State of a football player on my wall, which is Joe Willingham. And to get a chance to meet him for the first time and play with him for the first time was an unbelievable experience. And he kind of took me under his wings, and we've been friends. I mean, when he comes to town, he'll always call. And it's kind of neat when I go back and he's there. Very few of the guys that are at the Legends weekend didn't play with him. I'm one of the few guys that actually played with him. So I get a little, little special attention. And uh, you know what? He's amazing. He spends time with everyone. I've never seen him deny an autograph. One of the classiest people I've ever met. Um, just, he's just remarkable. And uh, you know, as we see, you know, one of the, one of the one of the nice things about going back is we see our guys age. You know, some guys, uh, Marvin Powell, Jim Sweeney, some guys uh, are missing. You know, so it is so important to come back every year and to see these guys as we get older in our in our lives, and then be able to tell those stories to the younger guys and tell them how important it is for them to come back and, and, and embrace this brotherhood. But Joe was one of those guys that embraced the younger guys. Just a class act. And, you know, it was hard to watch him in the final hours of his career with that quick release. That year in 76, he would normally start the games, but then Richard Todd would normally finish. It was a transitional year for us. Coach Holtz was the coach. Yep. He did not make it through the season. And I remember Joe getting up in front of the team and saying, listen, Lou Holtz is the class act. So make sure that you, you give nothing but praise to him as he exits. And, uh, you know, and it's just made sure that uh, no one said anything negative about Lou. And uh, Lou was probably out of his element in terms of being a college coach, trying to coach professionals. Mm-hmm. But Joe was very, very um, just wonderful about helping us with that transition. And then, you know, watching him age over the years, it's kind of funny. I watched him in the, Medicare commercials. And <laughs> <laughs> now I'm on Medicare, so we have a whole other topic to talk about, you know? <laughs> what about this Medicare supplement? You go, I know nothing about that Medicare supplement. They're just paying me. This <laughs> <laughs> is teach Roger Goodell. He doesn't seem to know a lot either when it comes to that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. Zach. You know, playing, it was a difficult year. I think that rookie by rookie year, we had maybe six or seven rookies starting. Wow. You know? The transitional of the 68 Super Bowl team. I think Winston Hill was still on the team. Randy Rasmussen was still on the team. Joe was still on the team. But we struggled, you know. Uh, we really, really struggled. And I think before I left, I left in 1980, got traded to the Bengals. And we didn't really get, we did, I say we, they didn't really get going until like 82, 82, 84. Mm. Yeah, you talk about the, the second change. I had Abdul. I had... Uh, Klecko, I had uh, Gastel at Lions. And uh, my five seats with just the second change hadn't showed up yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, it was, it was, it was, it was a, you know, the glasses for me was half filled. Mm. Yeah. And that's what's really so wonderful about going back and embracing our career. The Legends community is something that all the teams are doing to bring the former players back into the fold. They're still the family. And, give us our jerseys and introduce us before the game. It's just a wonderful thing. And I'm uh, just so blessed to uh, have had an opportunity to play in the national football for, for, for six seasons. 
Yeah, so I want to ask about uh, t- t- one guy we had on our show about six months ago, Fireman Ed. And Fireman Ed, I don't know if you've had any experiences with him. That's one. And Fireman Ed actually, uh, fun fact, wears a Bruce Harper jersey to most yes. of the home yes. games, which you played with. So have you had any experiences with Fireman Ed and also Bruce Harper? What was he like? Well, Bruce, Bruce and I are very good friends. So, again, I spent last weekend, well, the weekend before last, and, you know, my my girlfriend Stephanie is com- – who's 5'2", can look at Bruce right in the eye, right? Bruce is not that big. But to me, he deserves to be in the ring of honor. Mm-hmm. To me, he was one of the, or the best, multiple, multi-back that ever played national football. He was phenomenal. Unbelievable. Look at his clips. Look at his highlight films. He was amazing. And I did ask him about firemen. I don't know if they have a real close relationship, but it's really kind of neat to see uh, – to see that jersey being uh, branded like that. So, yeah, Bruce is a wonderful, wonderful man. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Jets and Bengals defensive back Schaefer Suggs. Schaefer, let's get into the Jets right now because this is a team that everybody was expecting to be a Super Bowl contender. They added Aaron Rodgers. He carries the flag out on Thursday Night Football, the the biggest watched Thursday Night Football game in NFL history. He runs out there. The lights are sparking. Everybody's like, oh, we got Aaron Rodgers. We could go all the way this year. And then all of a sudden, four plays, he's down. And then we have to watch Zach Wilson play for the rest of the season. What are your thoughts so far during the season of this team, do you think uh, going into the season, this team had admirations of possibly being a Super Bowl contender? And do you think that this team maybe next year with Aaron Rodgers coming back has a chance to go to the Super Bowl next year? Well, yes, I do. I think we had a really good chance, a really solid chance to get into the playoffs at least. You know, I watched Hard Knocks and was one of the better Hard Knocks, I guess because I was a Jet. And I watched the the um, the culture of the team change with the presence of Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Someone who was a leader, someone who was, who was a winner. I watched how Zach began to go under his under his umbrella. To me, that was probably the most unfortunate thing that happened because you took someone who knows what it's like to win off the field, and we never recovered from it. Now, there's some things that we need to do. Um, I think our defense is amazing. Probably one of the, one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, it's, I mean, these are the obvious things. I think our offensive line needs to get better. Um, but we're not very far away. You know, this league is about injuries. Right now, one or two, three key guys going down, it could change the paradigm of, of, of the season. I think if he gets comes back, I hope he doesn't come back this year, even though they think he might. They better not. I agree with you because he needs to be able to run from his life. <laughs> you know, oh boy, does he ever? Right, because you go down and, and as a defensive back, you know, if I have a clock in my head: one thousand one, one thousand two, one thousand three. That ball needs to be in the air, right? You know. They wouldn't even get to 1,002. <laughs> 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 you know, so, you know, you know we, we, we're struggling. It was hard to watch that game. You know, we, we cycled to, through two or three quarterbacks to try to even get first downs, you mm. know. And that's why I was so happy to see what happened last week. You know, I think Zach has all the qualities of a good quarterback. You know, I think he, with some – Humility uh, and, and be humble himself and begin to continue to be a student of the game. And 
you know, a combination of that, put some good people around him. I mean, he got some running backs, get some good offensive linemen. I think they're going to be solid. And uh, But with Aaron, um, my God, we're a contender. We're definitely a contender. Thank you. I, I will say this. I, I'm so happy that you believe Zach Wilson is is on a change and maybe uh you know next season he'll be better but i really don't see the jets bringing him back at the end of the season i don't think the fans are going to allow it they're going to go on social media no matter what he does he he could win all the rest of the games this year jet fans are going to kill him okay they're they're going to kill him they don't I, i'm telling you we we have i have a lot of connections with a lot of jet fans they they go to all the jet games and I, Fireman Ed's been on our show, and, and he, you know, he's spoken, you know, his piece to Zach Wilson. I don't think he's the answer. I understand what Aaron is. He's a leader, and he's protecting his players. He's protecting Zach. Zach didn't even want to get back into the game. He didn't even want to play. He, he, he pretty much told the Jets, and I don't care what anybody says. Boyle did probably. I believe Tim Boyle, before he got dropped, he was the one that, uh, in you know, threw that out there that uh, Zach didn't want to play anymore. He didn't want to start. Uh, but I, I think there's some kind of truth to that story. I understand the NFL and what the NFL was trying to do, giving him and Tommy DeVito uh, <laughs> the player of the week because of what he did. But I, I think he's given up. I, I, I understand that he had a good game. He also played a Texan team that I, I think just really didn't want to even show up to the game. I, I really do believe that they thought this was, this was going to be such an easy game. And the Jets' defense, you're absolutely right, Mr. Schaefer, that their defense is absolutely breakers. I think they're the, as good a defense as any defense right now in the league. But that doesn't say much about what their offense is. It's been absolutely garbage. I, I feel bad for Garrett Wilson. He hasn't seen the ball enough this year. This guy should have 1,600 yards and 14 touchdowns this year if Aaron Rodgers was playing. But, no, we got Tim Boyle and Zach Wilson throwing the ball. Oh, and by the way, we have guys that we've never even heard of or have been journeymen like Ripken. I, I've, I mean, how many times have we heard that name? It, it, it's garbage, and, and I'm sorry – I, I, I love the Jets, and I'm a Jet fan. I am supportive with the Jets, my friend. But to think that Zach Wilson is going to be a part of this team next year, I do not see it, my friend. Jets fans love Brett Rippon. He was the one that uh, beat the Jets with the Broncos to get Adam Gase fired. <laughs> I want to believe it. I want to say that, Zach Wilson. I've been sticking up for this kid, Mr. Suggs. I've been sticking up for this kid for the last two years. I said, Mike LaFleur, he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. Let's bring in a competent quarterback guru, a.k.a. coach. And you bring in Nathaniel Hackett. You bring in Aaron Rodgers. Oh, we got it. We got a guy that actually can coach this guy. And what happens? This guy comes in after Aaron Rodgers and has thrown nothing but lousy goose eggs. And the only game that really stood out to me was against Kansas City, where, yes, uh, he actually looked good. And last week he looked good. But I think he played a Texan team. By the way, it was pouring. It was raining. The Texans didn't even look like they even wanted to be there. Okay? That's the truth. They looked like they said, you know what? Where's the bus? I want to get the hell out of here. You know? They didn't even want to be there. So let's see what they do this week when they're playing a team that's, I don't know, half decent, a.k.a. Miami. When my, when, and by the way, Tyreek Hill's not even playing. And I still think... I still think as good as the Jets' defense, they're not going to put up enough points with Zach Wilson under the you know under center. So I hope so, but it's not going to happen, my friend. I'm yeah. just speaking the truth. I'm just speaking the oh, truth. Yeah. So so take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been breathing for a long time, man. Take a deep breath. 
30, so over and, 30 years of this. As, as a former player, I'm going to always get give a, a player, a former player grace. Mm. And I also understand that there's so many components about a team that can make or break a quarterback. Um, quarterback, my son plays quarterback. He's playing wide receiver right now. It's the most difficult position to play in football. And a lot of things got to go right. And uh, – there is a possibility he may not be back. Um, uh, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty obvious that <laughs> that, uh, that 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 could be the case. But uh, I'm gonna give Grace. Uh, would I have drafted him? Probably not, uh, based on what I saw in college. Mm. You know, second pick. You know, uh, can he be a solid quarterback somewhere with the right team, with the right offense? Uh, more three or four more years under his belt, um, but unfortunately, it hasn't worked for him here. And you know, it's a uh, it's, it's a tough game. It's a really difficult game. And you look at the quarterbacks that are out there. Look at the league, mm-hmm. and tell me on one hand how many quarterbacks are lighted up. Uh, we've been talking about it. I would say about well, six. That's about it. That, that's what I'm talking. It is a and, and guess what? They've all had bad games too, you know? And so it's it's a tough position to play, you know? Aaron, you know, could have been could have struggled with that offense. You know? I he would I would I, I and I'm sorry to cut you off because you're you're fantastic. I I know you're a jet guy and I love you. I, I'm I'm gonna become me and you are gonna become really, really good friends. I promise you. We're gonna be really, really He's good friends. Yeah, for the boom right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I would rather a peewee football player quarterback for my team right now. That kid is good for nothing, worthless, and I'm sorry. The only stories that have come out that spark me is him hanging out with his mother's best friend in a bathroom. Okay? That's it. That's it. That's the only thing. That's the only thing I care about right now with Zach Wilson. I've been a supporter of him. I love the kid, man. I loved him. I stuck up for him. You're absolutely right. I wouldn't have drafted him at number two, but I stuck up. I said, you know what? This guy is the best quarterback in the class. I've seen enough of him. He is never going to succeed in the NFL. He's got all the talent in the world. I think he has Patrick Mahomes talent. He really does. He can run. He can throw. He's He could be accurate. Here's the thing. It's his head. It's something going on over here. And that's, that's, that's very true. Mm-hmm. I that's, think there's that, something that, here. That position is all about that. Mm-hmm. And confidence, confidence, confidence. 100%. You know? And that's what it's all about. And he really, Patrick Holmes is in a class of his own in mm. terms of confidence and demeanor, you know, and willing himself. I mean, he has, he has some Michael Jordan type, you know, stuff going on with him, you know. So, uh, and, and Zach, you know, there's very, very few athletes that possess that at the quarterback position. You can't. You hit, get hit so many times. After you throw the ball, you get hit so many times. You know, we don't see that part of it. It plays with your head. When you know that after you throw the ball, you'll get your head rocked. <laughs> <laughs> it was guaranteed, you know? You could ask Tua for that. <laughs> no, Errol, you don't think clearly anymore. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, give give Tua a pass in, in a year where so many quarterbacks gotten hurt. He's actually healthy. Listen. Right, right. You know, it's like, you know, Darwin's survival of the fittest because he is trying. I've watched him. He is playing scared. You can't play scared. Listen to me. 
This guy, I've never seen a quarterback run backwards without throwing the ball away. I mean, how many yards has he lost? He's he's run, he's probably run for loss more than he's thrown for positive. Okay, he has been horrible. I, I don't understand a kid. You've been doing this for three years. You're a quarterback. You're supposed to move forward, not backwards. Why is he running backwards 20, 30 yards and then deciding to take a sack? I've never seen a quarterback do that. It, it's honestly... I wonder if the guy's head is in the right places. Maybe he's thinking about what he ate last night, how many hamburgers he's <laughs> ate, or how many steak dinners he's eaten over the last two weeks. I don't think he cares or understands the, the value of the quarterback position. And coming here in New York, you know you're going to be broadly attacked if you don't play the quarterback position. How many terrible quarterbacks the Jets have had over the years? I don't know. Let's name some of them. Browning Nagel being one of them. Christian okay. Hackenberg. Uh, Christian Hackenberg. Uh, Geno Smith, they, they decided to walk away from Geno. Look what he's doing in Seattle. Matt, I mean, every every I could go on and on and on to the quarterbacks. Oh, this guy's the future. This guy's the future. This guy's been a top five guy. Do you know that the Jets are the only team in NFL history in a three-year span to draft two quarterbacks in a top three? Do you know? Do you know that? Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson. Where's Sam Darnold? And where is Zach Wilson? Both guys will probably not be in the NFL in the next five years. That sells it all, okay? And by the way, the one quarterback that has succeeded and has taken this team to two back-to-back AFC title games, at the age of 31, what is he doing? I don't know. He's broadcasting. So that tells me what the Jets quarterbacks have been in the last couple of years. Absolute garbage. Don't worry. You guys next year are going to get Tommy DeVito as, his, as your backup. No, I don't <laughs> want Tommy DeVito, Mr. Jeremy Lin himself. I don't want to see it. I am sick into my stomach. Let's, let's, let's just go back here. Aaron Rodgers needs to be 100% healthy. The Jets have to be smart. They have to tell this guy, you are not the owner of the team. You're not the coach of the team. You're not the GM of the team. You're not playing this year. Sit back, relax, and get ready for next season. And hopefully the Jets, and I don't want them to lose, but they have a chance to get this kid alt. This guy is a, a world beater. He is a, He's the best left tackle in this draft. They're in position. If they lose maybe another game or two or three games, they have a chance to get this kid in the top five. Why would they lose the opportunity to get him when they have the guy that could protect Aaron Rodgers next year? This would be the smart move for the Jets. But again, the Jets have been stupid over the years. Hey, let's talk about... Uh, the L.A. Rams a couple of years ago when they could have gotten Trevor Lawrence instead of Zach Wilson. But, of course, they had to win that stupid game and show the, 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 the organization of stupidity. This organization has been nothing but stupid. I'm not telling you to lose the game. But please don't win the game that helps you get the guy that you need. Don't forget about the Browns. So. I'm tired. <laughs> uh, uh, listen. I, and, and you can ask John Nitty. He'll tell you I'm one of the funniest guys when he meets when, when, when he meets me. He thinks I'm hilarious. I I am honest. I'm I'm my heart is with this team, but I say to myself every single day. And, and I, by the way, for everybody to know, we are talking to former Jets and Bengals defensive back Schaefer Suggs. I'm going to say this, and we have Jesse Hansen. I'm sure he's listening to this right now, and he's probably laughing. I, I'm going to say this very very nicely as a Jet fan. If I was a quarterback and I was an elite quarterback, would I want to play for a team that has had no success at that quarterback position since Joe Namath? He was the last 
quarterback that the Jets have drafted. And by the way, he played in the AFL before he played in the NFL, right? It was, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so the Jets got him. They they got him from the AFL. They didn't really even draft him. All right. So to me, when I look at this team, they have struck out for 50 years at the quarterback position. I want to throw up, okay? I am tired of watching terrible quarterback play. We bring in Vinny Testaverde. We bring in Neil O'Donnell. We bring in this guy. We bring in that guy. They can't stay healthy. They can't do this. They can't do that. We jump this. We dump that. We get a coach here. We get a guy that's a clown. We get this. We get that. I'm tired of watching it. Stop with this. I, I don't want to see this clown circus anymore. I want to see a team, and I like Joe Douglas. I want to see, and I love what he's done in the draft. I want to see this team succeed finally after – look at the Bengals, what they've done. They got Joe Burrow. They're winning. Obviously, they need to stay healthy, but they're winning. Get the right guy, and let's win already. I'm tired of this. Am I right or wrong? Schaefer, you know this. You've been a Jet. You're a Jet fan. You don't want to see this garbage anymore. You're not going to preach that Zach Wilson's the, the right guy because you know he's not. He's garbage. He's terrible. I'll wipe my ass with him. I've got toilet paper worth better than him, okay? I, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I, I, listen, I'll hide under my table, okay? I will hide under my table if the Jets win a Super Bowl. <laughs> I will hide under my table because it would, be, uh, it would be a prayer. I'll eat horse crap like the Philadelphia Eagle fans oh. did when they won a Super Bowl for the first time. I will do that because you want to know something? I'm tired of watching this garbage. Tired. So there you go. There's my wrap over there. <laughs> I love you, by the way. And me and you are going to become good friends. Follow. Uh, I'm going to elevate this conversation just for a second. Go ahead. Elevate. Yeah. Elevate. Take it to another level. I will take it to another level. You know, I, 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 I'm a former Jet. I mean, I, I get a pension. And it's because I played for the Jets. You can see in the background, I have all my Jet stuff. I get I embrace everything here. You know, all my kids' youth teams were the Jets. You know, I, I love, I love, I love being a Jet or a former Jet. And so it's been frustrating for me too. And, uh, you know, I think, as, but as a former player, I keep using that word, give it grace. There's a lot of teams in this league that um, have not been able to produce uh, a solid football team in years. Unfortunately, the Jets are in the top five of that list. <laughs> top three, by the way. Yeah, top three. Well, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I live in a town called Chicago, and they are yeah. just, they are just as frustrating. Hmm. You know? And when they fired a coach, Levy Smith, who had a 10-6 and six record, and we haven't had a coach since then win more than four or five games. You know? So there's, there's so much. I mean, I, 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 can, I continue to embrace the National Football League. I'm more of a a fan of players now. Of course, I'll always be. A, I love the Jets. Um, my kids love them. I mean, we get our hopes up every year, and every year, you know, the Jubilee Express happens. Mm. And uh, I just hope before I leave this earth, we, we find a way to get into the playoffs. We find a way. I don't remember the last time we were in the playoffs. 2011. Is, was Testy Verde on the team then? Was no. No, that was Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez. It was my Mark it was my Sanchez. junior year of high school and it was the Giants when yeah. the Giants won and, the second and, Super and Bowl. That was when the Jets called Mark Sanchez the Sanchez. <laughs> boy was he ever. Three years of that garbage. I mean seriously. Well, well, guys, that's how old I am, man. All so I remember <laughs> listen, Mr. Schaefer, 
I'll tell you this. The only thing I remember from those teams and those AFC title games is the butt fumble. That's that's about all that sells that to rough. me about the New York rough. Jets, okay? It's, it's been rough. It's, it's, it's rough being a Jet fan. But you know what? Everybody makes fun of it, and everybody says, oh, you're, you're, a, Jet, you're a homer. I'm not a homer. I, I tell you the truth. You listen to my show, and you'll become a fan of this show because I tell you the truth. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know what? <laughs> we're going to win a Super Bowl. Finally, after 54 years, we're winning a Super Bowl. Vault next year. I have never said that. And as a matter of fact, I was watching the Jet game when he was carrying that flag out and the lights were sparking and everybody was so happy we got Aaron Rodgers. You know what I said? Watch. Five or six plays, this guy's going to get hurt. Season-ending injury. And what happens? I swear you could ask anybody at the party that I was at. And they said, he went down. I said, oh, there it goes. He's done for the season. He, he, gets, he walks out. He crawls out. And I said, everybody was like, oh, I think it's just, yeah, it looks like it's just a sprain. I said, it's season ending. He gets out. The season is over. Ah, there we go. The Jets again, the jinx of an organization. So I have been sitting here for years trying well, to figure me, out. Let me ask you a question, okay? Mm-hmm. I'll put your, your, your ownership, your general manager. Oh, head. I like this. And by the way, okay. Jesse, we're going to get you on. I promise. I promise you, Jesse. I want, I want you to tell me what you would do as an owner. To bring this team back to, I want, I want to hear it, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna critique you too if I don't agree with you. But what is what do the Jets need to do in the next? Is it a one year plan, five year plan? Tell me what they need to do starting today. Have you ever seen the Karate Kid? I remember Mr. Miyagi with Danielson. You know when they go up and down, breathe in, breathe out. So here's here's what I would do if I was running this organization. You ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? This is what I I would do. I would lose out for the rest of the season. Okay? I would not try to win any one of these games. I would draft Alt to be my starting left tackle this coming offseason. I would bring him in. He would be my left tackle. I would bring in either one or two veterans that have won before. They are going to be availability. They're going to be veterans that have won Super Bowl before. You can't trust that they're going to stay healthy, but you bring them in. In what positions? Uh, I would bring in another – I would bring a left tackle and right tackle in to um, – I, I would bring a left and right tackle in to help out with the right tackle position because I think Elijah Veritaka needs to play right tackle next year when he comes back from injury. Tittman looks like he's the real deal. You got it right over there. Uh, Max Mitchell, you, you put him as a backup. He's not the, he's not the starter. Uh, Lankin Thomason, I would get rid of his contract. I would bring in – you could draft – Tackles in the later rounds, in, in the, the third and fourth round, you've got two fourth-round draft picks. You could find a guards over there uh, that you can fit it, fill in in those positions. You could still bring in those veteran players. So that's what I would do with the offensive line. Aaron Rodgers, okay? To me, you bring in a real veteran backup. You bring in a real guy. That's what I would do. Bring in a real talented backup. Carson Wentz would have been perfect for them sitting on the bench this year. At least sitting. I mean, if you don't want Carson Wentz because he's an ass, I, fine. Bring somebody else in. Bring in a real competent backup that succeeded, has succeeded in the NFL. Bring him in, okay, as your backup quarterback. I would draft a quarterback in the, in the draft this year. There are a couple of guys that some people say could fall to the third or fourth round. You have two fourth-round draft picks. The Jets could trade into the third round if they want a quarterback and you know 
maybe a hit, maybe a Bo Nix or somebody like that. If he falls to the third round, you could sit him behind Aaron Rodgers, let him learn the position. Get rid of Zach Wilson. He stinks. He's garbage. I, I, I use toilet paper better than him. Okay? That's what I would do. Off Defensively, I, th- I wouldn't change anything defensively. I would keep this defense intact. This is a good defense. This is a defense that can win. They have Adams. I like what he said. I, I would s- sign Ashton Davis, start him next year. I like Whitehead. I like Jordan Whitehead. He's making too much money. He's making way too much money at the safety position. As good as he is, he's a Darrell, he's Darrell Revis' cousin or nephew, whatever. He, he's got that background of, of Jets, you know, you know, the Jets background. Jordan Whitehead, I yes. I, I would either talk to him and say, listen, either you take less or we're going to have to drop you. If he, ta- he doesn't want to take less, you drop him. You fit Ashton Davis in. You bring in another veteran safety to back these two youngsters up in Adams and Ashton Davis. You could solidify your defense right there. DJ Reed, Michael Carter is a free agent this coming year. I don't know if the Jets are going to be able to resign him. I would offer him a good deal. Maybe, um, you know, Give him a deal where he's going to take less this year, this coming year, and more on the back end of it, and give him guaranteed money on the back end of it. That's what I think the Jets should do, and you can keep him. Um, go after Devontae Adams. I would absolutely do anything I can to get a number two guy. Take the pressure off of Garrett Wilson. If you bring in a, a world-class wide receiver as good as a guy like Devontae Adams to play on the other side of Garrett Wilson, you have two dominant two, two dominant wide receivers that could absolutely bust the NFL open. Uh, you have Brees Hall. I, I love the kid, Iggy. Give this kid a chance. I, I don't know what this offense is doing. Nathaniel Hackett, open your damn eyes, man. I, I like you. You seem pretty funny. You like to watch uh, old TV shows and show whatever. Good for you. Congratulations. Figure out what is wrong with this running game. You have Brees Hall, who should be a 12, 1,300-yard type of rusher. He is one of the most dominant running backs in the league, and you haven't used him, right? And use Iggy. You have a one-two punch right there. If you do that, and by the way, find a damn quarterback coach that actually knows what he's doing, okay? Seriously. If Aaron Rodgers is not going to be the quarterback coach, bring somebody in that's a quarter. They had one, and he got, obviously, I mean, he rest in peace, he passed away. I mean, he got into a bike accident, and he, he helped Pete Manning. He helped, uh, you know, help Pete Manning out. He's helped a lot of different quarterbacks in the past uh, really succeed in the NFL. I, I think that's where I would go. I, I, you're not going to have a lot of money. Because Aaron Rodgers is going to be getting $55 million. He'll probably take less in the offseason to bring in Devontae Adams. That's what I would do. And by the way, do something with Alan Lazard. I, I don't know what you do with him. I mean, if you want to make him a water boy, he'd be the most expensive water boy. He is not. To me, I just don't think he fits with this team. It doesn't fit right now. I, he, the guy drops more balls than he can catch. So, And by the way, Jeremy Ruckert, I don't know why the kid's not playing. Okay, The kid could block. The kid could catch. He could do everything. Why isn't he not playing? What the hell? Asuma, great. Good. You're washed up. Don't. You're no more of you. Conklin is a good player. Use him more in a scheme. Use him. I think you need to use these weapons more in the offense. That's where I would go if I was the GM of the organization. Yep. Cheers. I'll valid. I'll valid. You actually agree with me? Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> did you hear that, Jesse? Jesse, did you hear that? We got an ex NFL player. I, listen, you want to make me the GM, uh, assistant GM? Yeah, just just reach out to Joe. Tell Joe, 
And I, I, I think I know a little bit about this. And by the way, I'm pretty good with numbers, too. So I could be a mathematical guy, too. I can right. help him out with that, too. And I could tell him one thing. Uh, he was wrong about Zach Wilson, and he was wrong about Mekhi Becton, but he has hit on certain guys. I, Bryce Huff, beastly. And by the way, that's another thing. You need to re-sign Bryce Huff. If you let that kid go, you're making a huge mistake. He goes anywhere else. This guy is an up-and-coming star. I, I think I think you can look at it, and you can see the numbers. He gets to the quarterback better than anybody in the NFL. Anybody in the NFL. He's better than Nick Bosa. He's better than Miles Garrett. He's better than every single one. Micah Parsons. He doesn't get the sacks, but he puts the pressure on, and he drives people, and that's going to help Quinn Williams develop even more. It's going to help all the other players, including, and by the way, I want to see more McDonald. I, I don't know what's going on. I, I understand that Salah doesn't like to play rookies in, in, in their first year, and you see what Johnson. Johnson looks like he's a world beater. He, th- he looks like he's going to be good. McDonald needs to be on the other side. I want to see these youngsters develop. Stop with this garbage. Oh, we got to wait until one more year to put this guy on the field because I think he needs some time. Put him out there. Let him show everybody why they decided to draft him. Okay, because everybody attacked the Jets at 15 drafting Will McDonald. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I think he's going to be a special player. Use him in the defense already. So there you go. There you go, my friend. They can't they can't afford to lose anybody on defense. No, they'll lose. They'll lose uh, Jeffries. I think they'll lose him. Um, I I think they're going to lose him. Woods is not coming back. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're solid on defense. Like I said, the offensive line is going to be my biggest one. They need, a, but they need another wide receiver. They need a guy that's. And I agree with you about the quarterback. You know, get a veteran quarterback that has that 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 stop that's solid. And there's a lot of quarterbacks out there. You want me to be? I'm I'm better than Zach Wilson. I'd be a better backup. I you could give me. I mean, Zach Wilson's what making twelve million dollars a year right now. You could give me two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And I can throw the ball. And by the way, I won't run backwards. Oh, I'll this, actually this run forwards. To you. You'll get hit the first time, and you will never say what you said before. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm just letting, I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you know. I actually played football. I am an aggressive guy. I'm a pretty big guy, believe it or not. I'm, I'm about 5'10 and a half, but I'm, I'm 235 pounds. I've I, I done mixed martial arts my whole life. I've, I've been an athlete. I was a hockey player. I, I I love contact sports. I love it. And I've been you, hit before. That, that ear hole right here where the elbow uh, is? Listen, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to blow my ego up, bud. But I, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm not running backwards. If somebody's going to hit right me, I, if yeah. somebody's going to hit me, I'm running forwards. I'm going to give them a beating, too. I just, there, they, there have been some things that I just have never seen before. Mm. And, 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 and running backwards and not throwing the ball away, those are just – it gets back down to confidence, you know, and, uh, you know, so at the end of the day, we need to get better at that position. I agree with you. And I love and, you, man. I love you. And, and by the way, Jesse agrees with you uh, with the hitting situation. So he agrees. He's shaking his head right there and smiling. He's like, this guy's out of his damn mind. But And I'm not six foot six, 300 pounds like Jess, but... Oh, listen, I, 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 I've been in I've been I've, in I've, seen, I've made receivers rethink going across the middle a couple of times. You know, they thought they wanted to do it. <laughs> well, I'm not in. I'm they not in alligator arms, you know. So, <laughs> well, I'm I'm in, you know I'm in my early 40s, but so I can't run a 40. I can't run a 40 and probably four or five. You know, when I was a kid, but I I was pretty fast. You know, yeah. but 
I, I wasn't an NFL fast, but I was, I was fast and I could catch and I, I was a, a pesky, you know, I talked a lot of, you know, garbage on the field. Are you from Long Island? I am from Long Island, but I went to school in Brooklyn most of my life. I went to private school and uh, I got kicked out of, you want to know the true story about me. I was uh, a Rocky fighter who didn't give a crap what people thought about me. And when anybody opened their mouth and they pissed me off, I let them have it. So uh, it took a while for me to, to calm down my aggression on who I am as a person. And I, I realized who I was as a person. I, I have to be a little bit more kinder and respected. If you want, to, you want respect, you've got to give respect kind of thing. And when I went to Brooklyn and I went into an all-boys school of con- complete craziness, I, I learned that as tough as I am over here, I'm not as tough as I am out there. So uh, I learned my lesson very, very quickly. So you do. You, do. you learn your lesson. But, right. hey, listen, I dished, I dished it out just as much as I got it. So, uh, But the same thing with you. I, I respect everything that you've done for the Jets and your career. And, uh, listen, uh, my producer is going to send you my Twitter. And uh, I'll follow you. You follow me. I want to stay in touch. I want to get you on the show uh, again. I, I think you're a fantastic personality. I think everything that you you know you you stand for, I, I respect that. And uh, I, I appreciate it, that. Yeah, with my craziness and sitting here oh, and wow. listening to my nut my my nutty ways, I, I just want you to let you know that you can ask John. He, he'll tell you um when you mention my name, he knows who I am. He'll tell you he's funny, he's crazy, but I, I love him. So I ask it. I could say the same about John. John is not funny. Oh, he's funny. He's not crazy, but. Uh, I've had a good relationship with a lot of guys, uh, you know, over the years with the with the Jets organization, and I only speak the truth. Okay, I, I'm not trying to affect everybody or the Jet fans or what I think of me. I'm honest, and if the Jets don't, the Jet fans don't like it, they can kiss my ass. Okay, because I've been nothing but fair to this organization and my feelings to it. I've been attacked by people in the organization as well for my personal thoughts to the organization as a whole. But I, I think they're on the right path. The question is, is Joe Douglas going to get it right this time at the quarterback position? That's the question. And none of these GMs have ever been right on that. But anyways. Yeah, we, we got we to gotta get better at that position. We got to get more consistent. Better. I we mean, need, we need support. I'd rather wipe my ass than see what the Jets have had over the years. So uh, that's, that's just my opinion. But anyways, uh, Mr. Suggs, we really appreciate the time. As always, I'm happy to call you a friend now, and uh, let's get let's get together. I will get some of you old you old Jets together. We'll go. I'll take you out to Fridays with John Nitty. John Nitty could be at the end of the table, and all you guys. I know Mr. Walker too. I know a lot of you guys. I've met you guys at a bunch of concussion uh, events, and I stand for you know the background of CTE and and what some of these players have been dealing with, and uh, we've been very supportive. Uh, to some of these ex-players that have not been respected enough by the NFL. So um, we love you, man. Uh, stay in touch. My, my producers will send you everything. Uh, it was an honor. Appreciate you. Uh, absolutely. God bless. Schaefer Suggs, ex-New York Jets, a guy that has a great personality, has his own thoughts to the New York Jets. I do too. And there's somebody waiting. He's been waiting for a very long time. He's got a smile on his face. And I'm not going to break. You know why I'm not going to break? Because I want to give this guy an opportunity to speak. As everybody knows, we are now talking to Virginia Tech redshirt junior offensive lineman, Jesse Hansen. Jesse, what's up, bud? 
How y'all doing? We're good, man. And I, I love that southern accent. We're, we're, we're ready to attack this. I've been listening to your accent the whole time. I've been loving it. Well, um, listen, if you love my accent, I'll switch it with you because I've been attacked <laughs> with my accent by many different people over the, the, the whole country. So uh, oh, I'm glad. I'm glad to have you on. But uh, so uh, obviously we, we know that you're – this is the first time you're on our, on our show. You're – you were redshirted uh, last year. You didn't play last year. Uh, how are you doing right now? Are you are you going to play this year, this coming season, for Virginia Tech? Um, right now I'm just focused on uh, repairing my wrist. So I just got um, out of a cast not too long ago. Um, <clears throat> I've had four surgeries on my right hand uh, recently. So I'm recovering over that over the winter. So we'll see. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I saw a lot of different articles that the injury was undisclosed for a while, too. Is that something, like, you wanted to keep personal, obviously, with the NCAA situation and, like you were saying, that many surgeries? Um, so, I actually played on it last year. Okay. Um, and I've been playing on it, trying to get onto the field before that. Um, it was more of just not one <clears> – not really wanting to talk about it in the aspect of, like, I don't want people to know that I'm hurting anyway. Because uh, we would actually uh, had a 3D printed cast that I put on my hand, but then we wrapped it so it just looked like I had a uh, like a Don Joy wrist brace on or something. As everybody knows, we are talking to Virginia Tech redshirt junior offensive lineman Jesse Hansen. You know, Jesse, the offensive line position is uh, a very interesting position because people don't realize how big you need to be, how fast you need to be, how good your footwork needs to be, how good your handwork needs to be. Tell us a little bit about the position and what it takes to be an offensive lineman playing Division One college football. Yeah, nobody really understands offensive line because you have so – it's the only position where you have multiple guys working in unison at the same time. So it's – you know, everybody likes to laugh that they're the only big guys on the field, but – you know, every offensive lineman knows that you're the most athletic guy on the field. You might not be able to run a 4-2-40, but you're 315-plus, and you're running, you know, against guys that can run sub-540s. It's a minimum now that you're you're benching 400, you're, you're plus, and you're squatting around 600. Like, it's everybody is just massive human beings, and it takes – a level of knowledge that a lot of positions don't have. I think I would say the only position on the off, on the field that needs to know more mentally is uh, would be one, the quarterback himself and the tight end, just because he's got to know what we do and he's got to know what, what all the wideouts and everything need to know. So I want to ask if there's any offensive tackles, individual guys that you looked up to and modeled your game around in the NFL right now, and also even in college when you're in your time with Virginia Tech. Any anyone you played against in your conference or anything like that? Uh, Wyatt Teller is a guy that they put me in contact with right away, and he's been—I don't think there's anybody else that you can look up to better at my position. Wyatt is a is a monster, and he does everything the right way and in an elite way. Um, he actually put me in connection with all my, uh, you know, fishing and, and outdoors activities back in Blacksburg. So he's he's a cool dude off the field, too. Um, Wyatt is the real deal. And then I got to play with um, most of my entire career with uh, Christian Darisol, mm. who just he's beyond elite. Um, he's got some freakish physical abilities that most people don't have. Um, and then... Uh, 
a few other guys that are trying to work their way up in the league right now. As everybody knows, we are talking to Virginia Tech redshirt junior offensive lineman Jesse Hansen. When you look at the game and the transition of the game from high school to college football, what is the difference that you've seen as a senior in high school to obviously playing Division One football? Uh, of course, the the game itself, the physicality goes up, but it's it's um it's really the knowledge. In high school, you're running football. It's football. It's the same sport, but it's not the offenses aren't that complex. Like I laugh all the time. If we go back to a game and you've got guys in the stands yelling at a high school game that you should be doing this and that they have no idea what they're doing. Like they, <laughs> they do not understand the complexity of it. Um, and then it takes even another one. You get to the league. I, I'm talking to my boys then and they're talking about, you know, I think that you need to know a lot when you have to know we had an offense with my old staff that was all word based. So you've got, every scheme that you run has 10, 12 words. And then there's 10 or 12 words for each direction you're going to go. And each scheme has a different set of words. And then you've got tags that go on to all those that can change absolutely everything about it. And so there's just so much more input to put in at that league. So being able to do what you're supposed to do and not be thinking about it mm. because the second that you're thinking about what you have to do, your feet slow down and you're done. <laughs> so one of the big things in college football now has been the transfer portal. We've seen a lot, especially last year's accelerated teams really rebuilding solely on the transfer portal. A lot of them seem to make the college football playoffs. You saw TCU make the national championship with a lot of transfers. What are your thoughts on the, the flexibility and like the accessibility for these players? Yeah, I mean, it's it's rough, but it's always got its pros and cons. Like, for me, um, half of my friends are all gone in the aspect of, like, I came in a class with over 20 of us, and I think there's uh, four of us left, maybe five. Um, you just you don't see – it's affected, um, like, the camaraderie of teams big time and the aspect of people are in and out all the time. It feels like the NFL and the way that it's – it's you don't know if the guy that you're beside – and the locker is going to be there in the next month or two. Like um, people are now way more than even when I started. So, I mean, that's a big deal, but I've also met some guys that came in out of nowhere and are immediately affecting the team and, awesome ways you know jesse the nil is giving opportunity for players to make money and it's something that i've been preaching for for the last i would say i've been doing this for over 11 years and i've been doing radio and building a network and i have stood up for college players they should have been making money uh how many people took shots at johnny manzel when he was trying to make money off autographs because he everybody that was every story that was coming out that he comes from a family with money which is untrue but they said his family owns oil distributor companies which was untrue that was just mm -hmm. a story that came out I, I thought that you know what the heisman i mean we've saw uh, different players like Reggie Bush, you know, you know, he his family needed the money. They made money off of him signing over there USC and and then all of this other stuff. Now all of a sudden it's legal and everybody's making money. Why why do you think obviously um a guy like a Manning who decides to go to Texas because he probably got money under the table to go to Texas and nobody's saying anything like that. Do you like the fact that now players are making money off their name? Do you think that it, this should have been going on for years? And, and do you believe that the NCAA will continue helping players make money moving forward? You know, I've always said that um, 
it's great for the players to always get paid. Everybody loves that. And I've come into college at the time period when it was non-existent when we came in. And now it's all the, the wild west when it comes to what's going on. And so I've got to see it develop. And it seems like month by month it changes. But my biggest thing that I've seen is NCAA, like always, doesn't care about the athletes. I'm uh-huh. sorry. They just don't. And so now that the players are getting paid, it's um, it's 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 open game on what you can ask a player to do. So you've got just in the last five years or four years, um, players are being asked to do things that they have never been asked to do. You've got guys in the middle of July, May, June, um, January, year round, 365. You're there when the sun comes up and you're watching the sun go down. It's like times time commitments that I haven't seen since fall camp, my freshman, sophomore year, that's now a normal year round. Um, so guys are getting paid. That's amazing. Um, I've seen some guys get set up for life. Um, but yeah, it's taken away. Your dream come true is to come play football at this level. And then you get here and you realize my boys are dogged tired. So I want to ask about the college football playoff because both Errol and I thought Florida State should have gotten in. Uh, you, you obviously played in the ACC. Please. I mean, you didn't play this year, obviously, because of your injury, but you played in the ACC against Florida State. They were good last year, too. And I, a lot of people thought they should have gotten in. They were the first Power 5 undefeated team not to get in. You playing against that front seven, especially that tough defense. Do you think that Florida State team should have gotten in over Alabama or Texas or anyone else? That's tough. They earned the shot. Do I think that they were one of the best four teams without that quarterback? That's two different questions. I think they should have. They deserved. They did what they needed to deserve the shot. I don't think they were one of the best four teams without that quarterback. Interesting. That's really interesting from a player that actually played against the team. And I agree with you that it, it's you want to see the two or the four best teams to make it to that final four. But we have seen teams like TCU go all the way to the national championship when they had no business being there. And everybody said that. And they beat Michigan and they went over there and got their butts reamed by Georgia last year. We all know what that happened. Florida State, yes, they had a true freshman playing for them, but they did what they needed to do. I, I do agree with you that the quarterback, if if Travis was playing, they're, they're in that Final Four. But I, I still, you still can't take away what they did all season long and what they earned. I thought it was disrespectful to the team, and I understand that 12 teams are going to make it to that final, that, that final for 12 chat tournament, whatever they're going to call it next year. I'm just... I. As a fan, I'm a Florida State fan, by the way. I'm sure you can see that. But not even that. I never went to Florida State. I grew up a Florida State fan. I've watched enough college football to understand that this committee doesn't have any respect for what these teams went through and what they have done. They just say, hey, you know what? It's Nick Saban. <laughs> that's, it. that's what it is. It's Texas because they're one of the richest teams in college football, and they have Archie Manning on the bench. And I said this. You watch. Mark my words. Mark my words. If Texas makes it to the championship game, remember I said this, Jesse, 
and their quarterback, Hughes, doesn't play well in the first half of the game. How much you want to bet Archie Manning comes in in the second half of the game, and if he wins, there we go. It's the Manning sensation. The NCAA, come and watch Archie Manning next year. You watch. That's going to happen if if Texas makes it to the national title game. I bet my bottom dollar. They're licking their lips. I'll lick my fingers. I'll lick the money that he's going to be putting in his pockets after that. I'll tell you what my uh, hot take is on the playoffs Mm. is uh, show me West Coast football versus East Coast football. Mm. Now, I was I was talking to my boys in meetings just the other day before they started. Show me the record on bowl games, West Coast versus East Coast. We're, We're talking an undefeated team didn't get it in. We're talking another undefeated team and nobody's questioning whether or not they have a shot. I say show me any West Coast football in the last 20 years that's done anything good versus East. No, it's definitely applicable. That's why the Pac-12 couldn't get in the playoff for a while until this year, finally, with Washington. They had, like, a seven-year drought. Exactly. The Mississippi, Oklahoma's get in every year. And what's happened after that? Well, that's true, too. <laughs> uh, one of our, our betting guy that we had on before loves to call him <sighs> Choklahoma. Boy, are they ever. <laughs> okay. And this year they were undefeated for much of the season. They beat Texas. They're the only team that's beaten Texas. And then they lose three in a row, losing to UCF. And, like, I think all the two of the four teams that just entered the Big 12. I, I want to say something. I, I don't know if anybody's watching this this NFL football game. Is this actually an NFL game? What the hell is going on here? I mean, are the Chargers actually a football team, a professional football team? You have professional players. How the hell are you getting your asses reamed by a, a Las Vegas team who has a, a coach that is probably not going to get this job, and they're down 35 to nothing before even the second half? This is, this is despicable. This is disgraceful. Not only should the coach be fired, I think he needs to give back the money that he's taken from this team. <laughs> That's been horrible. I can't. I can't say anything. But this is worse than the Jets watching the Jets play. I mean, seriously, this is despicable. And I, by the way, I have Austin Eckler playing tonight. I do too. Thank you, Austin, for screwing me in my fantasy football. I do too in Clarence's league, and I need to win to get in. Pretty well, much. there you go. Maybe you need to, you know, tell Zach Wilson to uh, hang out with your mom. Huh? Why would that have any effect on Austin Eckler? I, I mean. The luck of the draw. I mean, Zach likes moms. He likes, you know, older women. I mean, this would be a great opportunity for your mom to get some autographs. <laughs> All right, now we're, we're not going to do that here, Jesse. I don't want to. I don't want him to scare you with any of his nonsense. So I'll ask you, who is your NFL team? <laughs> who, who is your NFL team that you've rooted for? I'm just going uh, Browns just because of Wyatt, but okay. Wyatt. I'm more just following my boys. I follow my boys too. Too bad they stink. Okay, so. <laughs> I, that, that's, Only that's, the Jets had a quarterback as good as Joe Flacco, right? Joe Flacco. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine that? Joe Flacco leaves the Jets. He was horrible last year. He goes to the Browns, and he leads them all the way to the Super Bowl. That's Jet-like, ladies and gentlemen. Jesse, that's I'm, something the Jets would deal with. Jesse, oh I'm sure God. you're on board with this, uh, following oh. the Browns. How about a Joe Flacco versus the Ravens playoff game? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. If the Ravens are the two seed, the Browns are the seven. It definitely could happen. Or the Ravens are three somehow. But right now they're number one. Jesse, I've watched a lot of football. And I don't drink. But sometimes I wonder if I should. Okay? I, I am just... I, I'm not going to be apologetic on what I say. Because I never apologize for what I believe. But, I, I mean, I again, I, I've never... Played co- Division One football. I never played in the NFL, but 
boy, oh boy, how mediocre some of these teams are. Not even in the NFL, even in college football. Mediocre. When everybody says, oh, look, we got this coach, and ooh, look, we have this offensive coordinator. Ooh, we got this defensive coordinator. And you stink. So I, I just – I can't sit and, and make excuses for anybody, only myself. And I, I could say this. I could say this. I'd probably get my ass ripped if I played Division One football. I'm not lying here. I probably would. But at least I put up and I shut up at the same time. So, uh, Jesse, uh, first of all, I hope you get a chance to play this year. I want to see you play. Uh, we've had a lot of college football players come to us, make it to the NFL, and succeed. And, uh, and we are one of the first guys. We've been one of some of these guys' first interviews. I mean, we've interviewed guys in high school that are now. I mean, we have Riley. Riley Leonard's been on our show since he's been in high school. And look, now he's playing for Notre Dame. He might be. Uh, he might be a first round draft pick next year if he has another good season. So, and, and Riley's been a friend of the show, and we've interview- We were one of his first. We were his first interview he's ever had by a professional radio show. So, um, I, I want you to succeed. I want you to play, and uh, if you can get healthy and play, and maybe you get into that portal, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw you under the bus, okay? I'm not going to do that. But uh, you want to get into that portal, you want to go play with Riley, or you want to go <laughs> play with somebody that we know, listen, I can I can make well, moves, man. I can make moves. I, I, I can reach out to some of these guys, so, <laughs> just so you know. Just so you know. I'm, I'm, I'm helping you out, Jesse. So if you ever need anybody to, to put a good word in for you, I can do it. Trust me. I promise. Him. I promise. Jesse, thank you for joining us. Uh, good luck. Yes, get healthy. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. My producer will reach out to you. Follow me. Let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And keep that accent, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we're going. All right. Jesse Hansen for the first time on our show. Virginia Tech, Red Shirt Junior offensive lineman. Uh, two really good interviews. Yes. I, I, I was a little crazy tonight. Okay. Yeah, you don't say. Oh, what? You didn't like that? Well, yeah. Zach Wilson with my mom. Yeah, okay. Oh, what, 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 what? Is that... I mean, your mother can help us out. No, we, she can't. She can. She can help us out. I Listen, you want my mother to hang out with Zach? No. I mean, we, we, we can, I don't think she would want to hang out. We can give him a little double dose, you know? I don't think she would want to hang out with Zach. We'll call Wilson. it deuces, all right? Deuces God. are wild with mommies. Oh, God. With Zach Wilson. That would be a great show. Yeah, I'm sure you think it would. Anyway, we have Zach Wilson, our two mothers, sitting over here talking to him. Yeah, I'm sure you think I it mean, would. I mean, how do you think that would work? Who do you think he'd, he'd hang out with first, my mother or your mother? I don't know. I'm going to say your mother because I think she's more, you know, hip. You know, she's got that hip, you know, hip personality. Plus, she's a sports fan. My mom wouldn't know who the hell he was. Your mom at least knows who he is because she, she's a Giant fan, and she hates the Jets. And she likes the Bills. So. <laughs> she, how, hold on one second. How is your mom a Giant fan and likes the Bills? She only started liking the Bills recently, but we've, we've had family that lives Hold on. over there. Hold on. I know why she likes the Bills. Is it Josh Allen? Does she think he's hot? Come on. No. Uh, stop lying. He's, she's not one of those people. Stop no, lying. She's a real sports fan. She's not one of those people. What? She doesn't think he's hot? It doesn't matter. It, it matters to me. Don't stereotype. A ster- what about a stereotype? Does she think he's hot or not? I don't know, and I don't care. I like it. I like it. I, I give your mom a lot of credit if she does. I mean, that's a good thing. That's a good sign for mom. You know, 
at least she's got somebody backing, you know, backing that thing up. You know? No, she always rooted for like all the Northeast teams, but the we have family in upstate New York. Uh, a lot of my uh, my dad's uh, my dad's side of the family uh, have from upstate New York. She she rooted for the Patriots, but uh, doesn't like them as much. She, she likes the Bills more now, and she still roots for the Giants because of us. Mm. The Athletic Fred Katz reports that the Knicks are monitoring trade rumors for possible Emmanuel Quickly trade. SNY's Ian Bigley reports that contract talks between Quickly and the Knicks have stalled as the Knicks offered a contract that wasn't fully guaranteed and included a team option. There is also belief that the Knicks could package Quickly and Quentin Grimes and Evan Fournier con- uh, contract in a deal for a max contract player. The New York Post Stefan Bondi reports that many NBA executives are waiting for the Knicks to pounce on Donovan Mitchell's trade, which Quentin Grimes being involved in the deal. The Knicks are reportedly uh, not interested in either Bulls guard Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan. The Knicks have been linked to many other stars and star players this offseason, including Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, and Carl Anthony Towns. I I will say this. Emmanuel Emmanuel Quigley will not be back with the New York Knicks. I've said this really all season long, all offseason. After you heard that the talks were done and that they could not extend him, and now that he's a restricted free agent, he wants to be a, a number one guy. He's proven that he could be a number one guy. He will always be behind Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is the number one guy. Jalen Brunson got a very good, affordable contract for the New York Knicks. He wants more money. And he's not better than Jalen Brunson. He's a good player. He's not better than Jalen Brunson. So the Knicks are not willing to give him guaranteed money like Jalen Brunson, not because he's injury-prone, because he's not. Not because he's not a great player, because he is. He's just not that type of player to get that kind of money. So uh, you sit back and you wonder, when are the Knicks going to pull the trigger? It looks like Quentin Grimes is, again, not having the season the Knicks thought. They They do like Quentin Grimes. He's talented, and he could develop into a star player. But Donovan Mitchell is a star. Donovan Mitchell has been proven. Donovan Mitchell is not winning over there in Cleveland. And Donovan Mitchell wants to play for the Knicks. He wants out of Cleveland. He wants to come to New York and win championships with his buddy Jalen Brunson. So my opinion here is... Make the trade and get it over with already. Mm-hmm. And you look at the value for Quigley, too, and you're seeing him transform into a much more well-rounded player, the second half of last year especially, and then this year. We saw that glimpses of it in his rookie year, the hot start he had in, the, in his rookie year, but we never saw it on a consistent basis like we're seeing it now. Are you winded, Speedy? Uh, no, but oh, okay. the... The value for Quigley is now higher than the value for Grimes, which is not the perception that we had last offseason, too. And that gives the ability for the Knicks to actually include both of them in the deal and get a better player than we would have expected to. I don't even think you're going to need to do that kind of thing to get Mitchell at this point, either, because... The Cavs are in kind of that middle tier. We're stuck good on defense like they were last year, but still not shooting the three-pointer well and not developing that element of their game. And it doesn't look like the players are getting lured there. So I do think Donovan Mitchell is going to get traded at some point, whether it's to the Knicks or to another team right away is another question. But he's Leon going Rose to is going to be smart about this. He's going to the Knicks. No matter what, Donovan Mitchell only wants to play for one team. Right. That's where he wants to go. But Leon Rose is still going to use that as a leverage point where they're not going to have to trade as much as originally thought. And if the Cavs are going to ask for too much, 
I don't think Leon Rose is going to bite. You saw the, them do that with the Donovan Mitchell deal with the Jazz, too. Like, Danny Ainge is asking for the world, and Leon Rose is in bite. I think the same thing is going to happen with the Cavs if the Cavs try to ask for much more than they deserve. I also think when you look at the Knicks in the position that they're in, they're in the driver's seat right now because they know Donovan Mitchell wants to play there. Donovan Mitchell knows he wants to play there. And I think Cleveland knows that Donovan Mitchell wants to play there. So the Knicks could be in the driver's seat. They don't have to trade Quentin Grimes. Maybe they trade Quigley and Evan Fournier and somebody else and still land a guy like Donovan Mitchell and still get, you know, they still have Quentin Grimes to trade for Cat involved with, uh, you know, a bunch of other players that they have on the team, like a Julius Randle or something like that. So the Knicks still have an option where they can land not just one but two Max players. They they have the money. They they do. If they move Julius Randle, they have the money to get two Max players. And and Julius Randle is having a good season, not a great season, but a good season. He's still averaging a double-double. Yeah. Teams might be interested in him. I, I could see the Timberwolves interested in him. They need a power forward. They have, uh, obviously, Rudy Gobert there. If they lose the Cat, if they lose Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, they can add, they can plug in Julius Randle. He still gives you that 20 and 10 that Cat's going to give you. Obviously, Cat's a better player. He He's, a, he's obviously a younger player, but uh, I, I just sit I sit here today and I wonder what the Knicks need to do to be competitive against those top teams, those top tier teams like Boston, like some of those uh, those Western Conference teams like the Nuggets. You know, so they need superstars. They have Jalen Brunson. I think they've got it right with him. If they add another one or two guys to this team and and still have the rotation of players off the bench, they can contend with the Boston Celtics because the Boston Celtics, as good as they are in their their starting rotation, there's a lot of questions to their bench. Yeah, I also look at the Knicks where they can also do that to alleviate value for another trade that could become available later too because right now a lot of the targets that the, the Knicks were trying to trade for in the offseason are teams that are doing well now. You talk about Carl Anthony Towns. The Timberwolves are playing well right now. Will it last? Same kind of thing with Dallas with Luka Doncic. Will it last? Now, you mentioned Devin Booker before mm. too and the Suns are kind of in that middle tier right now kind of like I was saying with Cleveland. Like they're a play-in team right now but for their standards that's considered underperforming. Would they consider that kind of thing? And maybe that's where the Knicks have leeway to trade somebody like Quentin Grimes and get that immediate type impact player at his same position too. And Quigley is that same kind of thing. Maybe they're gonna kind of thinking that Quigley might spawn value for somebody like a Devin Booker and they could trade Qu- uh, they could trade Grimes in the Donovan Mitchell deal where they know Donovan Mitchell's going to be a Nick and the Cavs are not going to get that same kind of value either. So the Knicks are really in the driver's seat right now, especially if they know Leon Rose is, is going to be tough like he was in the original Donovan Mitchell rumors. Oh, he's going to be tough and I still think the Knicks are going to land Donovan Mitchell. Give it probably in the next couple of months before the trade deadline. Donovan Mitchell will be traded to the New York Knicks. Cleveland is not playing good basketball right now. It doesn't look like they're going to contend this year like they did last year. I think they're going to start to rebuild. They're going to want young players. You add Quigley and Fournier, maybe a first-round draft pick. You get Donovan Mitchell. You can solidify it right there. And then you have some pieces to go after a guy like Carl Anthony Towns if he becomes available to. And then you have your big three, and then they can build around those guys. That's Mm -hmm. what I think the Knicks are looking to do. And they have a bunch of guys that are young, too, because uh, Jalen Brunson is 26 years old. Donovan Mitchell is 26, 26 27 years old. They're, he's still fairly young. And then you have Carl Anthony Towns, who's 25, 26. You got all guys to the same age, and now for the next three or four years, you got a contending team 
in the Eastern Conference every single year where even the Boston Celtics are going to have problems with. They have problems with them now, and they don't yeah. have the stars that they have. Yeah, Julius Randle's an interesting one, too, because his season has been very polarizing so far. He had a really bad start to the year. The first month of the season, he was really, like, like chucky up threes, was shooting 40% to start the year. The last eight games or so, he's been playing phenomenal. He, I think he was one of the players of the week one week, and he's on a really good pace right now. But are you going to get that same kind of consistency throughout the whole year is another question that Julius Randle has had inconsistency issues his whole career. So you wonder if trading Julius Randle now, if they know they're going to get somebody like this, is something that the Knicks should consider as well to try to alleviate the money later. Now, Evan Fortier's contract's going to be tricky to trade no matter where it ends up going. You wonder if the Knicks are going to trade that maybe with Julius Randle and then get the money later, or maybe a three-team trade possibility if they do trade for either Donovan Mitchell right away, because Cleveland is kind of that middling team, or even somebody else right now, too, like a Devin Booker. Oh, yeah. And Devin Booker's a guy that I definitely would absolutely love. Mm-hmm. But right now, Phoenix is playing still good. They're, good they're playing better I almost now. said football, but yeah. good basketball. I almost said football. They're on a hot streak now, but they're still only like six. This tells you how a little tired I am right here, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm, I'm mixed, mistaking basketball to football, so unfortunately. But, you know, this, this is life, Speedy, as, as we all know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it, this is going to be an interesting story moving forward as uh, the trade deadline comes along sometime in February, I think it is. Yeah, February. I think it's the week after the Super Bowl, usually. Yeah. Woj reports that Draymond Green will be suspended indefinitely following his injection, punching Sun Center, Mr. Nurchik, in the face. Draymond reportedly will be forced to go to counseling as part of the conditions for him to return on the court. The Warriors will save about 500000 against the tax for every game that Draymond is suspended. Draymond also put Rudy Gobert in a chokehold just three weeks ago and was suspended for five games. Draymond said he was trying to sell the call, saying, I, se- I sell calls with my arms, and I swung, and it was unfortunate, and I hit him. Draymond says about his play style, I don't live my life with regrets. So... I don't live my life with regrets either, Draymond, but I'll tell you this. I'm not going to go on the street because uh, I don't like somebody and try to choke him to death. I'm also not going to go and say, hey, you know what? Uh, You stole my balls, so I'm going to punch you in the face. I mean, I did that when I was a kid, and I got suspended from five or six different schools and then wanted to go into an all-boys private school. So I I don't do that anymore, Draymond. But (laughs) what I could say about Draymond Green is, you're a multi, you're a multimillionaire. You play for a Golden State Warrior team. You've won three championships. You've had nothing but talent around you year in and year out for over 10 years. Okay? You have been soft spoken. You have a podcast that uh is everybody likes because you're outspoken and you're crazy and you're a nut job. <laughs> um what I could say about you as a player You would have been perfect in the 90s. Perfect. Absolutely perfect in the 90s. Right now in the NBA, the way the NBA is played, you should not have a job. Okay? This isn't the Palace. This isn't Ron Artest. As a matter of fact, I don't think Ron Artest should have been suspended as long as he was. Even though Ron Artest would argue with me and probably fight with me on that because he he is a different player than he was, Meta or World Peace or whatever he calls himself now. <laughs> yep. uh, good for him. And by the way, his documentary, fantastic, if you have never checked it out. I am going to sit here and be very nice about this. Draymond Green should never play in an NBA basketball game again. 
This guy has no respect for the game of basketball. He has no respect for the players he plays against. He thinks that he can be an enforcer, beat anybody up, talk the crap that he talks on his radio show. And by the way, he says, well, I don't live by regrets. Well, you should be because what you do on the basketball court, you're selling to the fans. You're selling to children that buy your jersey, that pay your salary. And for the disrespect that you have for the game of basketball should show that you don't belong in the game of basketball. You want to play football, you want to do mixed martial arts like Greg Hardy and get your butt reamed, you can do that. But as a basketball player, you should not be playing professional basketball doing the stupid things that you have done over the years. Stepping on people's balls, kicking them in the balls, punching people out, choking people to death, calling coaches assholes. I mean, I, I'm fighting with say, your own teammate last year. <laughs> fighting with your own teammate, which you had, they had to trade. And I'm, I, I, By the way, I don't curse on the show, but I'm, gonna t- I'm using the words that he used on his podcast, okay? I, I sit here today and wonder if Draymond Green understands the value of what he does on a basketball court for the fans that watch him to come and pay his salary, okay? Because if he did, he wouldn't do the stupid things that he does. He thinks it's funny. I see the smile on his face. He smiles. If the NBA doesn't see this as a problem, boy, oh, boy, they have lost it. And they they have obviously let this guy control the league, get away with everything, because of who he is and what team he plays for. I am tired of it. I am tired of him. I'm tired of watching this garbage. This is not the NBA. This is not basketball that they're trying to sell. Because if they were, it would be the 90s again where Michael Jordan was being thrown into different sections of a basketball court in Madison Square Garden, get up and and deliver the, the blows that he did against the New York Knicks or the the Cleveland Cavaliers or all the teams that he absolutely romped in the playoffs and, and do it gracefully the way he did. It is not the NBA of the nineties. He does not belong in this NBA. And I think the NBA needs to figure something out with this guy. He should not be making the money he's making too. It is despicable. It's disgraceful. And the NBA needs to control this idiot. Yeah, suspending him indefinitely also implies it has to be for a longer period of time. Guess who they tried to suspend indefinitely, and then he comes back within two weeks? Kyrie Irving. And they have another to, idiot. Yeah, another idiot indeed. And Draymond Green is an idiot for a different reason. Physical, physical on the court. He wants to pride himself on, but physical on the court does not mean doing a swing around with your fist and punching the ball. Let, let me see you try to catch the ball with the inbound with both your hands and a fist, and let's see how well you end up doing it. It's easier to do it with your open hand. So clearly there was no oh uh, new. Nurkic was holding me on my hip. Yeah, that doesn't mean you should swing your arm around with a fist and throw a boxing punch to him. Like, really? That's what you're going to do that? And then you say you have no regrets. Yeah, seriously. You have no regrets. You've been ejected three times this year. Donovan Mitchell the first time. Obviously, Gobert a chokehold. Like you're saying, he probably is better off for a combat sport or wrestling or something like that at this point in his career because I don't know what he's bringing with the basketball court right now. And the Warriors' front quarter as a result is horrible because of that. They're losing a lot of value, and as a result, they're underperforming this year because Draymond Green doesn't know how to even get that end of it going. He's clearly distracted. I think, hopefully, he could get the therapy he needs to help him out of the council. Never. I, I, you're right. It might just be a lost cause. It's never going to happen. Because the reputation. How old is he? 34? He's 33, like, I think, yeah. So, 34. Yeah. This guy, he's done. He's done. It, 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 I understand what the Golden State Warriors have done over the last couple of years keeping these guys together. And Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, they wanted to make another run. It's over. I've been saying this for a long time. 
Their run is over. It's been over since Kevin Durant left. Okay? I know they won a championship after Kevin Durant, but it's been over. Okay? The fact that they won that championship is really just Steph Curry going crazy right. against the Celtics. Honestly, that was that was, and I, it was very impressive. I have to give Steph Curry out of all the championships they won, that was the most impressive championship they won because they honestly did not deserve to win that game and mm-hmm. or win that championship. I thought the Celtics were definitely. I think they were up by two games, two to one. Yep. Yeah, they were up by one game, and I thought they were the series was going to be over the way the Celtics were playing against them, and then somehow Steph Curry just went on this tear in that in that series and and won them another championship. It was. It wasn't Draymond Green. It wasn't Clay Thompson. It wasn't any of that garbage that they had. <laughs> it, it, honestly, um, I just I don't know what the league needs to see to know that this guy has been detrimental to the crap that the league has been trying to hide over the last couple of years. It, it's it's horrible. I, I think that. The NBA has let this guy, let these NBA players take control of the league because of their voices, their mouths, and because of who they are on social media and their platform. Professional sports are meant to be played on the field, not by their voices. And LeBron James has changed the game because of it. Because he speaks, everybody (laughs) listens. Mm -hmm. And now because he's done it in professional basketball, everybody is following suit. And I'm not taking shots at LeBron James. I respect him as a player. I, I really do. He is a sensational professional basketball player. I believe the second greatest basketball player to ever play in the NBA. He's not Michael Jordan. He can think that he is. He's not. But he's, the, he's to me, the second greatest basketball player ever. He's better than Kobe. I don't know why anybody thinks <laughs> that Kobe's anywhere close to the player LeBron James is. But for what he is off the field and how he handles himself off the field, off the court, I don't like and and players are starting to follow suit, and it, it to me it's it, it doesn't make any sense. I think the NBA needs to learn how to control their players because it's become more of a players' league than an owners' league, and that's why two owners have been uh, pretty much taken. They're forced they're, out. They're yeah. forced out because of some of the things that they said in the past. And were they wrong? A hundred and ten percent, absolutely wrong. Disgusting that they are. You should not be forcing – players should not be forcing out owners. Mm-hmm. Owners should be forcing out owners. The other thing that's always been in, uh, in question – or that's always been a good con- consistent thing, even when Draymond has had these antics in the past too, is he was always thought of as a good quote-unquote guy team leader for the Warriors at least. I don't even know if that's even the case this year too. I think there could be some tension within that team too mm. that uh, because they're not playing well. It was always covered up because the Warriors were playing well. He was a guy that was liked by his teammates. Maybe not Kevin Durant but everyone else on the team. And I don't know if even that is getting to the point where that's the case. And That Jordan Poole saga from last year might have started a bigger ripple effect than we realized. And mm. Draymond Green because of his big contract right now that the Warriors gave him. They gave him a new extension too I think two years ago and that contract might become pretty much untradeable even and if he doesn't end up coming back this season, which I don't think he should, but regardless, th- he's stuck there. And if that's going to be a culture issue for this Golden State Warriors team, they're going to be in more trouble than they think. Oh boy, are they ever! Let's let's. I go. know you've been waiting for that downfall to come. Well, it's it's been there. I mean, they're done. 
They're not winning another championship. And Steve Kerr is going to step down after this year. They're not uh-huh. going to be able to re-sign him. Their GM already left. He's enjoying himself. He won his titles. He doesn't need to win anymore. He left at the perfect time. He knows it. So if he wants a job or if a job opens up that he really, really wants, he's going to take it and he's oh, yeah. going to laugh to the bank because they're going to pay him because of what he has done at running that organization when he did. So, um, you know, I, I think they're done. I, I think we've seen enough of this team to know that – uh, this team is done. They're not making any more runs. Are you ready, Speedy? All right. Yes, I would hope you pick the Raiders tonight. Uh, yes. Yeah, they are. And boy, oh boy, it's going to affect my fantasy team. So. Yeah, mine too. I'm not happy about with the way Eckler's playing. Hope he has, hopefully he has like a garbage time run second half, but who knows if he even plays I don't even lot. know if he's going to play. Maybe not. All right, let's go to the Saturday showcase, the Minnesota Vikings and the Cincinnati Bengals. By the Bengals. way, I just want to say something. Yep. They need to fire their coach after this game. Oh, of course. Uh, this is This is disgusting. I mean, I coach the team better than this guy. I mean, what Staley is done. I don't know why he's still coaching this team. It just doesn't make any sense. They're still 5-8. and eight. They still had a chance to make the playoffs with their record right now. I know they lost Justin Herbert. They didn't have a chance after that. But nevertheless, they could have made this somewhat of a game. They look like a bunch of peewee football players that don't want to play. Okay, so I'm done. Okay, so yes, I have Oakland. Okay, the uh, Minnesota Vikings and the Cincinnati Bengals, first of the three Saturday games. Okay, you go first. 40 and a half, the over-under for this one. I'm going to go with the Bengals in this one. The, the Vikings offense is now switching to Nick Mullins at quarterback. Justin Jefferson might play, but he got re-injured last week. It just doesn't really help ideal circumstances. Bengals offense play well. Give me them. Uh, I got the Bengals, too. Browning looks like he's for real. I, I think they found themselves a good backup quarterback. Listen, he's not Joe Burrow. He's not going to get a starting job next year. Uh, he's not that good, but he's a good backup. He's a competent backup. And you see the Bengals. The Bengals could sneak into the playoffs, even with Joe Burrow. And if maybe if they get into the playoffs, maybe Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow comes back and makes a run. It could possibly happen. Who knows? I've got the Bengals on the over. All right. Uh, give me uh, the Steelers and the Colts. The over-under is 42 and a half. Uh, the Steelers, they've been in kind of a, a free fall recently. They lost to the Patriots. They lost to the Cardinals. But can they lose three in a row? I just don't see it. I'm going to take them in this game. The Colts are kind of a weird team. Like, sometimes they're on. Sometimes they're off with their defense. But I think the Steelers will find something. They've had a long week to prepare. I'll take the Steelers on the under. The Steelers need to win. Okay. If they don't win, they're not making the playoffs. Uh, they need to keep that 500 record. Tomlin's been a 500 coach practically his whole career as a coach. I expect him to play better this week. Give me the Steelers on the money line. All right. Uh, the Denver Broncos and the Detroit Lions. It is 46 and a half. I'm going to take the Broncos in this one because the Lions secondary really has shown some struggles. And this Broncos receiving core has been very good. Uh, Adam Troutman, even at tight end, has played very well. Russell Wilson's really uh, been a steady force the whole year. And this defense for the Broncos really turning things around, too. I'm going to take them here. I want Russ to play well. Okay, I really do because I have him starting in one of my fantasy leagues and I'm in the playoffs. But I'm going with the Lions. Jared Goff, I think they do not win back. To, I, I, I do not believe they're going to lose back-to-back games. I have the Lions on the money line. All right, Falcons and the Panthers. I'm taking Atlanta pretty easily here. I think yes. uh, their running game is going to be too much for a Panthers team to cancel. I'm going run. Atlanta, too, and I think Atlanta needs to lose if they want a high draft pick. It doesn't make sense for them to win, but uh, I got Atlanta on the money line. 
All right, this one's an interesting one. The Bears and the Browns. Uh, it's not this, interesting. The Bears defense has actually played really well in recent weeks, though. Since, since they got Montez Sweat, has three and a half sacks. I do think they keep it close, but I am going to take the Browns. I'm going with the Browns on the money line. All right, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers, two other teams that have urgent playoff positions. I'm going to go with the Bucs here on the road here. The Packers can't stop the run. Rashad White has played really well recently, too. And Mike Evans, a big body guy against Jair Alexander. I like that matchup for Tampa. I think the Packers actually show up in this game. They didn't show up against the Giants, and we saw what happened. Tommy D, baby. Tommy D. How, how does he win player of the week when he had 128 yards? Oh, I don't know. I understand he made the comeback, but it doesn't make any sense. Give me the Packers on the money. Uh, the Jets and the Dolphins, nine and a half spread. Are you kidding me? The over under. Now you said Tyreek Hill might not play. He's not is, going to play, which is interesting. That's, That's why I think the Jets could cover the spread, but I think the Dolphins do win. I can't imagine them uh, losing again after the way they collapsed last week. <laughs> uh, give me the Dolphins on the money line. All right, the Giants and the Saints. I agree with Wes on this one. This is a good bounce back chance for the Saints here. The Giants, I think, they have a letdown. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think the Giants could win this game. I know it's in New Orleans, and they're very good at home, and they, they actually win games at home, some, some, something that they don't do away. And this year they've been better away for some reason. Uh, I'm going to go with the Saints on the money. All right, the Texans at the Titans, uh, 37 and a half the over-under, two and a half favorites of the Titans. I'm going to take them here because the Texans losing another receiver, too. Nico Collins after Tank Dell got hurt, too. C.J. Stroud's not 100%. I think the Saints have won more games away to this year, haven't they? I, yeah, it might be a – I think it's an even split this year. Yeah, really? It has not been the same, like – they, they used to be unbeatable yeah. at home. It's not the same home field it used to be. Same kind of thing with the Seahawks in recent years, too. They're actually, their splits are actually a lot closer, too. I, I'm going to tell you this. I don't know if C.J. Stroud's going to play. Uh, yeah, if he, does, if he does play, he's going to be very limited, and they don't can't run the ball either. Here's because. what I'm going to say. If C.J. Stroud plays, they win okay. on the money. If he doesn't play, I have the Titans on the money. All right, I'm taking the Titans either way, even if he does play. All right, okay. the Chiefs and the Patriots. I'm going to take the Chiefs as a redemption week. But Bill Belichick, all the storylines distracted, and give me the Chiefs. I'm going to tell you this right now. The Patriots are going to keep this game really, really close. In New England, it's going to be cold. It's going to be rainy. But give me the Kansas City Chiefs. They're not going to lose back-to-back-to-back games. Uh, right now, I, the, it's two on a row. Two, that's lost, right. Yeah. They've lost two in a row. I'm sorry. Oh, I know what. I didn't pick the Bills, so I was considering it, too. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, so was I. Um, give me Kansas City on the money. All right, the 49ers at the Cardinals. 12-point spread, 47.5. Give me uh, the Niners for you everything. You know where I'm going. Yeah. Give me the Niners for everything on uh, that one. 49ers on the money, even though I think Arizona and Kyler Murray is going to give them problems. Uh, the Washington Commanders at the L.A. Rams. 6.5 spread for the Rams, 15.5. Wes, I disagree with you on this one. I think this is a blowout for the Rams. They have so much good receiving talent against a Washington secondary that might be the worst in the league this season. Give me the Rams in a blowout. I'm not going to be surprised if the Commanders win because uh, Howell's been proven uh, to have a very good season. But uh, I don't think he's going to do enough against the Ram. Uh, the Rams. Give me the Rams on the money, baby. All right. All right. The Dallas Cowboys and the Buffalo Bills, 15 and a half the over-under, and uh, Bills favored by one and a half. I'm going to go with the Bills in this one. It feels, like an ideal let, it feels like an ideal letdown spot for the Cowboys after the big win against the Eagles last <laughs> week. Buffalo is urgent. Uh, Dallas first to back-to-back road games, and the, Bill, uh, the Bills can spread the ball around. Give me the Bills. Stephon Diggs, future home in Dallas. Uh, give me the Dallas Cowboys and Dak, a.k.a. MVP Prescott. Give me the Cowboys on the money. All right, the Ravens and the Jaguars, 43-and-a-half the over-under. Uh, this is going to be a close game. The Jaguars I'm going to tell did you, the, the Jaguars are going to win this game. Jaguars did beat the Ravens la- uh, last year. Doug uh-huh. Peterson coach teams also have done very well against the Ravens as well. So I think Trevor Lawrence does bounce back. He's a little bit healthier this week. I'll take the Jags as well in the upside. I have the Jaguars on the money.
All right, and Monday Night Football, the Eagles at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are in absolute free fall right now. This is another redemption-type week for the Eagles. I think it's they in Seattle. I think, the, I, I think Seattle will keep it close in the first half, but I think the Eagles run away with it in the second half. I don't half. know. The Eagles' secondary has not been very good. They're one of the worst in the league. I think they're in the worst, uh, worst tail end. Of no, the they're league. yeah, they're bottom seven or something. Passing, they're defense, bad, yeah. and that's why I think DK Metcalf could have a big game. Smith could have a big game because they have problems in the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with the Eagles. It's going to be really close. Okay, it's going to be really close, but uh, I have the Eagles on the money. Alrighty, oh, wow, well, that worked pretty quick, Speedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, as quick as Zach Prescott was in that bathroom with uh, you know his mother's friend. Doc Prescott with mothers now? Well, oh was, I mean Zach Wilson, but you know, maybe they were hanging <laughs> maybe, out together. Maybe the beef hanging out together. Maybe, maybe the beef manipulates. Dak is Dak Dak is, Dak is moving forward with uh, you know he's having a kid. Did you hear about that? No, I did not. Yeah, he, good for him. I I, I like Dak. I, I want to. I, I speak very highly of him. I, I I like the kid. I think he deserves a little bit more respect than he gets. Uh, by the way, he actually beat a team that's over five hundred last week, and nobody still. Even the Beef didn't want to give him credit for. <laughs> of it. course not. And by the way, Dak had a big part of why they yeah, won last week. So I I don't know why. Cowboy fans don't want to give this guy any respect because he deserves a lot of it, especially what he's done this year. He's been. Uh, they keep saying Brock Purdy. He's thrown more yards, but everything else, Dak has been better. No, no, he's definitely had a Brock Purdy. I think it's Dak and Lamar Jackson top two. <laughs> I, I, I think Lamar, as good as he is, is 10-3. Nobody gives Dak uh, the opportunity to prove what he has done as a 10-3 player. So yeah. uh, I don't understand it. And, and by the way, Dak has better numbers than Lamar Jackson. So what does that tell you? About yeah. Dak Prescott. So I, I don't understand. And I'll tell you this right now. If somehow the Cowboys win that division, Dak is going to win that MVP. I'm, you can book it. Okay. I, you can seal the deal and wipe your asses with Zach Wilson. Okay. I'm just, are you going to wipe your ass? No, I'm not. So you don't wipe your ass? With Zach Wilson. Uh, would you let Zach wipe no! your ass? No. I'm just asking you. I mean, you just said you don't like to wipe your ass. You I just, don't care. Oh, so you don't care if you wipe your ass. Okay. If it's so necessary, it's necessary. So, uh, so wait a second. If you take a dump, it's necessary, but you don't. That doesn't make any sense, Speedy. I'm not letting somebody else do it. Well, I, I mean, you just said you don't like to wipe your ass. I mean, you just said that. Am I right? Tommy, am I right? No. I don't think it's something it's like a like or a dislike. It's just something you do. Well, hold on one second. If you, you don't, don't like to, to wipe your ass, it. don't wipe your ass. You don't have to take pride in it. I take pride in wiping my ass. I want my ass to be clean. All right, good for you. I mean, seriously. What, what, you're going to take a dump and say, you know what? I don't need to wipe my ass. I'm just going to walk around with a dirty ass. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying I'm not going to. I'm not going to come out of the bathroom if I wipe my ass. And oh, whoop de doo! I wipe my, I wipe my ass. I do it all the time. Good for you. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna fall over. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> All right. Uh. 
All right. <laughs> That's Speedy Petey, guys. <laughs> he doesn't like to wipe his ass, and he gets winded every time he dances and has to take a dump. Anyways, uh, thank you to all the fans out there that tune into our show throughout the week. We really appreciate you guys all through all our shows uh, throughout the country. Thank you to all the fans that really support what we do here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network uh, and the Sports Loudmouth uh, Speedy Petey, who's a fantastic personality, as you just heard. Uh, he's fantastic, guys. Uh, so uh, you don't know what he's going to say and uh, how angry he gets when he says it. So uh, thank you to Speedy, as he always gives me a nice little laugh. Um, thank you uh, to our guests, by the way, uh, former Jet and Bengals defensive back Schaefer Suggs. Uh, we didn't talk about the Bengals with him because it, it didn't really have any meaning to me because it was all about the Jets. So uh, I'm not going to say that I don't like the Bengals. So. I just want to shout out to Schaefer. Thank you for joining us. And Virginia Tech redshirt junior offensive lineman Jesse Hansen for giving us a great interview. It was really a good mm-hmm. interview by him, too, uh, telling us how important the offensive line is to college football and professional football. So remember that, guys. If you want to be a position or you want to play a position, do the offensive line if you're six six and 300 pounds. So, Anyways, uh, uh, thank you again to everybody. Uh, listen to the Weekend Crunch, which – always is on on Saturday. And yes, the Islander pregame show. And by the way, the Islanders are the hottest team in hockey right now. I I think I should just keep talking about how this team is not a good offensive team and they fail to score and then they become one of the hottest scoring teams in the NHL. Figure that one out. They beat Anaheim yesterday uh, with, what, two minutes left. I mean, they're getting goals in different areas. By the way, that game that I went to was fantastic, by the way. Really good. And by was that another touchdown? This <laughs> Devontae is, Adams touchdown. Can we stop with this? this? Just say uncle. The game's over. The Raiders are going for 70 like the Dolphins. I, I mean, seriously, what the hell is going on here? I mean, this is not even fair anymore. I don't even want to watch this game anymore. Uh, anyway, so thank you to all the fans. Listen to the Weekend Crunch, 7 p.m. Uh, you can hear the pregame show for the Islanders if you're an Islander fan. If you don't care about the Islanders, uh, shame on you. Uh, but you can listen to the Weekend Crunch at 10.30 p.m. on 103.9 FM here on Long Island. If you're not living in Long Island, here's what you do. You go to iHeartRadio, and you can tune in by going to LI News Radio on iHeartRadio. And you can tune in listen to our show live with me and Speedy P. Uh, until next week, uh, who do we have on next week? Uh, only one guest confirmed right now for Wednesday, 8.30 p.m., uh, Jared Sandler. He's a play-by-play Is and studio Is he related analyst. to Adam Sandler? You can ask him. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's the play-by-play and also does studio analyst but for both TV and radio for the world champion, Texas Rangers. Ooh, oh, I like that. I like that. So we'll have him on the show. Um, and he might be related to Adam Sandler. Maybe. So that would be good. I mean, maybe you can get Adam on the show. Maybe. I mean, I'm, I don't know what he's going to say. He is a Jet fan. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's going to stick up for the Jets, as I didn't tonight. And I'm sure uh, Schaefer Suggs probably thinks I'm crazy. But thank you. I, I think everybody thinks I'm crazy. But anyways, thank you to all the fans, as always. Uh, we will be back next week, as always. Until then, this is Errol Marks, Speedy Petey, and Tommy, a.k.a. Scopes, saying goodnight. We'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.